Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play here with the Stream Punks. Um, you will notice that there is a gap of uh, ancient black space filled <laughs> with a night sky of stars. Um, for those of you who might be confused, that is, in fact, Gina. Um, right. Gina, usually it takes her a second to evolve into a humanoid form uh, before she is actually able to coalesce and play with us. Um, Sam has been telling us all for years since Doctor Who that this is Gina, and we didn't believe them, and here we are. Uh, and, and now we believe Embies. Really yes, it's we believe Embies. Hashtag believe Embies. Um, so uh, before we uh, kick off tonight and go into uh, group announcements, uh, first of all, a big shout out to the Ox Crew for another month of support on our Patreon. We have some announcements tonight that we're going to go ahead and get out of the way for supporting the Stream Punks, and we are finally get this. Here we are. Heading into April, we are finally able to lock down the, my God, and she just manifested. Just out of the stars, just it just appeared. I told you it was going to happen. We watched magic. You saw it here. It was no special effects. She manifested. I'm just saying. Um, uh, so what we're going to say is, is that uh, we finally have our schedules for... Awesome fulfillment. So the big news that we have for everybody tonight, and I'll be talking a little bit more on our fan Discord, uh, Streampunks Discord, about this, because I'm sure there's going to be some questions. But we are going to be taking some time off from the main campaign of Clear Skies uh, after tonight's episode. Um, and of course, next week we have uh, Blood of the Void. What will be coming after that on April 5th is our mirror universe episode for clear skies we're going into the darkness my friends after all this time we will be going into the mirror universe to see what mirror universe uss ross looks like um so we will be doing that on april 5th then on april 12th our one amazing uh science officer jane lacat aka ravity domse will be running her 10 candles bachelorette game uh, that'll be April 12th, that Monday. Um, the following Monday, Gina is going to be making stuff. I, I believe Gina is going to be crafting stuff. There will be a crafting corner, uh, and Gina will be doing that. And uh, I, I don't know what the format of that looks like, but I might be just sitting there doing commentary and being like, wow, Gina knows how to craft stuff. Hey, yeah, that's yeah. I think uh, I think it's going to be a double DeVivo episode. Oh. So I think you're going to get your craft. Two. Yes, double your DeVivos, y'all. Um, that's on the 19th. And then on May 3rd, Bonnie, also, just like Rave, sitting in the GM's chair for the first time, doing your thing. Uh, Bonnie has got a game that she can announce whenever she chooses. But Bonnie I'll will just be do running... it now! Do it now. It's going to be Lasers and Feelings. And we're going to Wonderland. I'm sure Ooh. that's not going to be messed up. Oh, it's going to be messed up. That's why I chose it. I was like, I could go anywhere. I'm going to be mad <laughs> with all of you. Sweet. So Alice in Wonderland style, uh, Lasers and Feelings with Bonnie. That's going to be on May 3rd. And then bringing us into May 10th. It's time for the return of the time kids, y'all. We will be doing our time crew, time travelers on May 10th. We will be going back and visiting to see what they've been up to since they joined the time agency, especially now because discovery spoilers, there's been some reveals about time travel and discovery and where that ended up going now that they threw themselves 900 years into the future. What implications will that have on our time kids? If it has any, we shall see. So that is going to be going into April and May. 
And then we will have some more announcements about Clear Skies coming up after that. But uh, this is giving us an opportunity to get done all that incredible fulfillment. And as a big thank you to everybody who helped us raise money back in this last summer uh, that we were able to use to basically build the Streampunks LLC and incorporate and just do all the cool stuff that we've been doing. Uh, there is a lot more to come. Thank you so damn much for your support and everything. Uh, stay tuned for more information on that. Now, last thing I have to say, happy birthday, William Shatner. He turned 90 today. And while the man may have a dubious reputation for being somewhat ornery to people, we can say that his contributions to one of our all-time most legendary Star Trek characters, happy 90 years. Happy 90 years, Captain. Or Admiral, or depending on wherever you are in the movies. All right. Sam hasn't seen all the movies, so we can't give spoilers. All right, so. He's an Admiral in the first one. He's an Admiral in the first one. Dot, dot, dot. All right, so. <laughs> uh, who else has any other announcements before we jump into our game? Yes, Xander. Yay. So uh, they will be announcing something, I'm sure, on social media soon. But this Thursday, uh, as part of the GaryCon uh, celebrations, I'm going to be in the Dungeon Master seat. Uh, and Bonnie is going to be part of my cast, along with some Yay. amazing other gamers. Uh, but that'll be bright and early, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Thursday on uh, one of the GaryCon Twitch channels. I don't know which one yet, but <laughs> keep an eye on my socials. Guess oh. what roommate is going to go get coffee before the game? <laughs> it's still me. It will be you. It will be the morning person in this household. Yeah. Piggybacking <laughs> off of that real quick, Xander, a quick shout out and thank you to everyone who was showing up and watching the search for Gaxmore that JCM ran for us. Yay. Uh, we had such a positive turnout that it is now becoming a show that we're going to be doing on Saturdays now. So I am now part of a cast for the first time. Congratulations. Ever. Thank you. Uh, I get to play. I get to be a player in a D&D game. This is the first time I've ever, ever been a part of a cast where I'm a player. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for everyone who turned in and who shouted at Luke Gygax to keep us going and that liked the show. I appreciate it. I love Leaf. I get to play my orc monk a little bit more. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Xander, anybody else have any announcements? Any games that they're playing or anything that they want to announce? Anything at Pixel Circus? Anything? Yes, Sam. I mean, we can talk about Pixel Circus stuff. It's fine. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to talk about we have, we have Pixel Circus stuff? Gina? Do we have Is Pixel your Circus? announcement the final announcement? Um, not just that i i also do things um tomorrow i will be doing uh spy hunter things uh for roll 20's indie showcase um that's uh tomorrow tuesday uh from 3 to 5 p.m uh pt uh twitch.tv slash roll 2020 app uh we'll be playing spy hunter so yeah two hands there you go we stay on brand <laughs> I might have more announcements, though. I won't commit to being done yet. There, okay, okay. Now, say Pixel Service. We're, we're, bookmark, we're bookmarking Sam. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know you what happened. Gina. But whatever. But it, the, the, we got the one second and like goblin face from Gina, which means people ask the difference between a good stealth check and a great stealth check. Like, what is that 34 even worth uh, I, I give you? 
your answer. <laughs> right there. I mean, that's what it, it looks, looks like. It's killing the show right now, though. I'll say that. <laughs> What's new? Again. Welcome back. Are we? Is, are you sticking around? Are you okay? Are you all good? Did you spill something on the keyboard? What happened? Space fell on me. Oh, oh God. No. Space fell on top. I told you. It was trying to reclaim you. <laughs> um, you tried to swallow me whole. <laughs> it's a stable wormhole. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's 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 a giant. It's it's a familiar. Hey, I mean, this isn't the first time you've been in space, and something large just swallowed you. And it's true. It's true. Oh, uh, space Aww. whales. We love you, space whale. Giant space whale. Uh, Bonnie, did you have anything before we? Yeah, Sorry. it's more of an unannouncement. So okay. this upcoming Wednesday, I was supposed to start streaming on my own Twitch channel for my birthday uh, as an old lady, as Mrs. Claus. I'm going to have to postpone a few weeks because I figured once I start streaming, I want to actually be consistent with my schedule of streaming every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And 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 other like jobs and gigs have popped up, which is a good thing. Being busy has popped up on the following like Wednesdays. And I was like, that's not cool just to start and then be like, yeah, psych, I'm out. not streaming yet. So I'm going <laughs> to postpone for a few weeks just so that way I can, once I start streaming, I can actually consistently do it every week for y'all so but mrs claus is ready i got my new lighting i got my my got my street my screens I, I got like a whole setup now and and mrs claus's wig is being the dusted okay. off and it's ready. so you heard it here everybody on my channel on wednesday we call it wednesday the legal whimsy we're going to celebrate bonnie's birthday oh uh, so, so we will do we will do well, it's not it, my it, birthday on wednesday i was just gonna start wednesday on, your on birthday. my birthday week, because my birthday's Saturday, and I didn't want to stream on a Saturday. Yeah, so we're gonna celebrate. No, no, no. I know. I understand birthday rules. These happened yeah, yeah. to me. Wednesday is going to be your birthday, and then also more. Friday it's and also month. Thursday. Okay, <laughs> I will take all of these things. It's a quarantine birthday uh, <laughs> again. <laughs> all right. I think that brings us to Sam, who I believe had the bookmark. Thank you. Uh, I I have the bookmark. <laughs> you have the conch right now. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I promise I will not I will not drop any more Lord of the Flies references in Clear Skies tonight. <laughs> Sam was excited, Good. by the way. I oh. Did you yeah. did you yeah. are you sure? Because I, 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 I could I could go again. Like, do it again. If you didn't think that was pick up. Okay, cool. Yeah. Pick up. Nope, you don't get another one. Too bad. If you don't right, know about my excite by now, that that really that really sucks for you, Eric. <laughs> you should have known me better. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
<laughs> Welcome back. You were recounting the time that Bonnie tried to say, uh, spread our wings and stretch our legs and combine them by accident. And you can figure out the math on that. It was pretty hilarious. Um, let's go ahead and jump in to tonight's episode of Clear Skies. When we last left off, a lot of stuff had happened all at once. And it was a bit of a hard, I would say, a sharp left turn at Albuquerque. Um, as Bugs Bunny might say. Uh, essentially, what ended up happening, yeah, it's a culture, it's an old cultural reference. I'm dating myself right now. If the gray hair hasn't given it away yet. Um, essentially, <laughs> Gina's like, yes. Um, essentially, what happened in the last episode is a hostage rescue mission, which was uncovered after investigating the effects that were being forced upon the community at this colony specifically because their environmental systems had gone down, revealing this arms dealer that was trying to get their hands on a bunch of dud Polaron torpedoes, remnants of the Dominion War, unveiled a villain that was trying to get their hands on this, but also unveiled a rather unexpected environmental disaster that led to members of the USS Ross now being out of reach of her mother of their mothership and currently out of, completely out of contact. You guys have fallen down the rabbit hole, as it were. Um, Lacat and Exio and Olin, who, by the way, Aki will be with us again uh, when we return, is taking the night off. Um, our crew members, along with the people that they had rescued, including your chief of security, uh, have all fallen down this hole after one of the warheads detonated and caused the upper part of the crust of where you guys were standing to shatter. A fall that was estimated around a little over a thousand feet, which should have, that should have been the end of everybody and then some, especially because of the falling rubble, you instead soft landed on the rubble only to discover gravitational anomalies and yourselves inside of a giant underground ecosystem filled with spores and the this entire ecosystem that is existing under the surface of the planet. And what I love about this is I completely forgot that Xander actually wasn't here last game and is hearing all this for the first time and watching <laughs> the wonder on his face is making this really exciting for me. I was um, like, okay, I got this in my notes. Yeah, that tracks, I'm sorry, what? Underground what? ecosystem, oh. <laughs> yeah, so essentially what ended up happening is, is the one of the warheads that they were trying to extract during the prisoner exchange, the the arms dealer, uh, Knighton, in a, in a panic, uh, supposedly, for whatever possessed him to do this, decided to try to beam the torpedo off-world. Now, that's a risky thing to do when it was in its current state, because they apparently had tried to extract the first torpedo, which is what caused the explosion, and set off a chain reaction which destroyed the environmental control center, which led to the environmental crisis and colonists getting sick because of the, this is a type K planet, and it has spores in the atmosphere that are dangerous for those who are not in the vicinity of the environmental control systems. Flash forward to the prisoner exchange, where they were handing back the son of the colony leader, in exchange to get the tech, they specifically wanted the warhead and the technology of this Polaron torpedo. Things were going not bad. Uh, Olin was doing a hell of a job. I mean, Olin had basically facilitated the exchange 
and had done their job and was taking care of business. Things got a little dicey when Exio decided to uh, to sneak up a little bit closer, but essentially everything kind of happened all at once. Long story I short, I was at a different bomb site. To be clear, I wasn't totally just different bomb site. A hostage situation. No, you were at a totally different bomb site, and it should be noted that Exio. Uh, Oh, hold on. Exio wanted to, sorry, my computer's like, we're going to restart Windows now. <laughs> How about no? Um, there we go. Uh, anyway, so Exio managed to actually take care of the, the arms dealers that were trying to extract the torpedo at the second site. Because as it turns out, the captain was able to predict using their extensive experience in espionage and tactics and strategy to be able to devise that this arms dealer was not a fool and was playing a game here. He did not for one second think that he was going to get the torpedo that he was expecting to get at the hostage exchange site. The hostage exchange site was kind of a distraction and the people being sent there probably didn't realize they were sacrificial lambs if Starfleet wanted to arrest them. His real goal was to get to the second torpedo site and try to extract it himself. Exio stopped that from happening. And now there are pirates in the brig. Exio, upon returning to the first torpedo site, it caused a panic or reaction for whatever reason. Captain Knighton in his Corvette, which by the way, that Corvette, uh, that Cardassian Corvette cruiser uh, it's a Corvette, not a cruiser, but it, it's a that that transport ship that he is piloting right now made a run for it and tried to beam up that torpedo. Did not go well. Um, not only two, two things happened all at once. The Ross chased down the ship. And as the Ross was closing in, the ship activated a Polaron hold skin, which allowed it to escape any tractor beam, any attempt at a tractor beam, which is Ross's favorite ace up the sleeve. So the Ross had to pull out literally the big guns and shot doing multiple hole breaches right through the engine of this small vessel. And in one hit, the Ross disabled it and the vessel sent out an SOS. <laughs> the Ross now has Knighton and crew going into custody as we speak. Unfortunately, while all of this is happening, the results in explosion that took place in the planet, the Ross is not able to scan beyond the surface. No one knows what happened. From all intents and purposes, from overhead, where everyone was is now a giant hole in the planet's surface. There is no, there's no sign of them. Life signs are not negative, but they're not, the Ross is not capable of currently scanning inside this uh, environment that they have fallen into. So the Ross has no idea what is inside this. Um, and while this was happening on the bridge, if you remember, we had a terrible heartbreaking moment where Asmi Shanto, who was watching all of this happen, uh, kinda had a mild, like stood up from her chair and stared at the view screen in horror as the away team basically vanished. So that is the basic recap for our chief engineer. So this is what's been going on. Um, in my defense, the, I tried to recap for him. I'm just really bad at it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, rocks and holes. That is also and... worth noting that McCrell, during this whole thing, McCrell has been working on a cure and is still, by the way, in the middle of your extended task. But mm -hmm. holy hell is it going well. McCrell has been acing the uh, extended task 
and dominating Don't those, it, Eric. those yeah i know you, you're smashing down the work track you've literally got the magnitude down to two when we last left off so yes. you have been kicking ass you and uh, your assistant have been just the other doctor have been totally uh doing this the doctor's name by the way steven yen has been letting you take the lead on this and mccrello's oblivious to what's happened meanwhile just down like below, me. the, <laughs> below the surface of the planet the crew has soft landed in this cavern that's showing all of this life. And the cavern itself, they have not investigated yet, but Lacat was able to get a tricorder working again, if you remember. Was able to jury rig the tricorder's power source and get it to work and got a basic scan off of where they were and what was going on. Detected some gravitational anomalies, but more fascinatingly enough, detected that some of the spore life down here, some of the plant life and the fungi, are genetic matches to the plant life that was found on a certain planet back in the Shackleton Expanse, where you guys took the crystalline entity to grow up and to, to its nursery, essentially. Which caused Lacat to completely kind of freak out a little bit <laughs> because it's an exciting scientific discovery. And that is where we left off. Right now, above the skies of this alien world the uss ross currently is pulled alongside uh Knighton's vessel <laughs> and uh to expedite what inevitably was coming down the pipe Knighton and his crew of 14 arms dealers are currently in the brig of the uss ross um so let me give you some statistics real quick uh so Knighton's ship is called the Gaviz. It's G-A-V-I-Z-Z. -Z. It is a Hideki-class Corvette. It is Cardassian-made. It's not particularly an unusual vessel to see. I mean, the Cardassians, in truth, were they, they don't sell their ships to outside people. But since the war came to an end, people need money. And it's not like the military was... Like, most of these have kind of gone unclaimed or gone missing so it's not an unusual i mean captain you can already kind of put the connect the dots it's it's a civilian class freighter that was sometimes militarized but he, it's probably safe to say did not acquire this through legal means so knighton is currently in the brig <laughs> let's go ahead and start that scene off because i know you've been hungering for this scene <laughs> captain so well it's either talk to him and have a vessel for my misplaced anger and anxiety or contemplate that my crew is in a hole i'd like the misplaced anger please walking into the brig the security officer stands at attention as you move into the main area Moving past a few of the force fields where you see um, you see a couple of Orions that are watching you. They don't seem to recognize. They're just watching you as you walk in. Maybe one or two of them kind of has a reaction when they see an Orion in a Starfleet uniform walk through the doorway. But um, you do see the Lethian is in here, uh, seated on one of the beds. Uh, you, uh, as a result, would definitely know Lethians for their time undercover in the Orion Syndicate. 
Lethians are lethal assassins and use a very peculiar, very unique type of telepathy to kill their uh, targets. They're highly dangerous. Um, it's not unusual to see one amongst unscrupulous people. He's probably an officer on board the ship. Maybe important to Knighton, maybe not. It's hard to say. Knighton, as you remember, is a Zabalian. He is currently seated on the bed in the very back of his brig, uh, dressed in finery, dressed in like deep purple uh, fold-over tunic with gold trim and leather breeches and boots. He it would be, you know, a very fine-looking, like well-dressed Zabalian. Um, when he looks up and he sees you approaching, um, he immediately assumes a countenance of pleasantness and just goes, ha! Ah, I was wondering when I could be looking forward to the gloating or the interrogation or both. We can certainly expedite things if we do both at once. Perhaps you'd like to accompany me to an interrogation room and we can get this party started. Ooh. I feel like this isn't your first. No, 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 no. Uh, there was one time, <laughs> this one time I was captured by the Gorn. That's interesting. The Gorn actually don't ask a lot of questions, as it turns out. They kind of don't care why. I gesture for the door. The security officer steps into the room and takes him by the arm. He continues talking as he's being escorted out. He says, you'd be surprised. Gorn, very basic laws. You think Klingons are simple, but Gorn, very, very simple people. They just kill you. They just kill you. And he gets led out. Um, the interrogation room is actually quite simple, and it is comfortable. It is a single chair. It Think of the, um, let me put it this way. If you remember that episode of TNG uh, where they were, uh, it was the it was the episode where the oh, I don't remember the name of the episode, but essentially the trial room, um, where there is essentially like tables spread out in front, a small platform, and a single chair that sits on the platform. Security officers are in here. Knighton is led to that single chair and sat down. Uh, you have uh, you you are Captain. It, it's just an acute awareness, and I'll let you do with it as you please, but when you see the security officers in here, you cannot help but note the absence of Commander Yeri Prawl. This is where he would be right now, and this is where he would probably pull a Prawl. <laughs> um, but you find yourself standing in here as the one command officer from the bridge that is not currently missing. Knighton <clears throat> situates himself in the chair and says, ah. Well, you've done this before. I've done this before. I've done it often enough that Starfleet legal know me. My word goes a long way. So you give me information of value we see what discretion is offered, so start mm. talking and let's see where things go, shall we? I think I could do with a better offer than that. You're Starfleet. You don't have to say, give me what I want and I'll be nice. You're going to be nice either way. I mean, that's really the disadvantage of being Starfleet, isn't it? <laughs> If you were a Gorn, I'd be talking right now. 
But despite the fact that you are Orion, I do notice that you have a nice little communicator badge with that chevron on it, marking you as Starfleet. And four pips, well done. What made you think that you want to play to my virtues? Mm, okay. <laughs> he, he says, So what is my offer on the table then? Aside from maybe a reduced sentence. You played a vi You played a bad hand well. Thank right? You. you didn't do anything wrong. You just got a little unlucky about the ship that was moving by on our own business and could turn yours to slag. It happens to the best and well, I don't know where you are on that ranking, but wasn't anything to be shamed of, but we're here now and you don't have a lot of leverage. This is the deal because that's what you've got unless I'm wrong and there's something you know. May I roll? No. Uh, yes, go ahead. All right. I just want uh, to start sending the town. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, that's going to be your presence command versus, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, his control command. That, that um, seems very reasonable as a defense track. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Let's feel out where we're starting out because he's also quite good. Okay. What'd you get? Oh, okay. Uh, that isn't bad. Uh, four. <laughs> okay. That isn't bad. You beat him by two. Um, well, okay. we tied um, last time on the intimidation check, so I don't true. take it for granted. I, although, to be fair, that intimidation check, uh, it, it did cost him. <laughs> um, and on this case, I'm even going to say that the previous intimidation check is kind of informing his attitude towards you. So when you basically lay that down to him, he just goes... That is all true, yes. I have to admit, that is all true. Bad hand, bad hand. Bad hand. All right. So, maybe just a reduced sentence then? Not asking too much. If you have something of value, then I might find myself well disposed when talking about, what's the term they use? Prosecutorial discretion? Hmm. Yes. A term that I've heard many times, but I haven't bothered studying Starfleet law. I just heard You're going it. to have to. Well, I tell you what, I can hmm. give you some names if you save. He stops for a second, and it's a bit of a shift suddenly, Captain, but you see him just stop, and he just goes, sorry, I don't know any names. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Um, um, mm -hmm. uh, reduced sentence will be fine. <sighs> value given for value received. Um, I need you to get that third torpedo off the planet, please. Now, why is that? 
I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Keep the torpedo. I don't need it. I don't need it. Do whatever you want with it. Blow it up too. Please don't blow it up. Um, I'm gonna need a second. And he stops and just goes. <clears throat> um, I have names that I can don't have names that I can give you. I just want the reduced sentence, Captain. And I will I will do whatever it takes to save to 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 do what is necessary to save to. Um, Who do they have of yours? I don't know what you're... Nobody has anybody of mine. I mean, you have my people in your brig, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> you're just... I don't have to pay them now. Exactly. So... But you're hurting us. Uh, <laughs> you are hurting my feelings, Captain. And frankly, I would appreciate it if you would just tell me what you want to know, and I can tell you and we can do the redo sentence thing and be done with this already. I'd like to take my insight check now. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and roll insight plus command. Uh, I'm going to spend one of those two momentum uh, for cautious. Uh, I feel my sense motive go into this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hurting us. Uh, tell me what you get. It's a contested roll. No, okay, you beat him. Again, uh, Captain, <laughs> I don't have to tell you he's acting weird because you just saw it. Uh, he is uh, having some kind of conflict that it's kind of difficult to tell, but it would seem like to you, it doesn't seem like he's tripping over his own words to you. It doesn't read like he's accidentally saying it. He's he does. There's nothing about him, Captain, that strikes you as to even talking to him now, you were certain that Knight and Josh is actually quite clever and a worthy opponent, not someone who just kind of blunders through his his words and reveals stuff by accident. Something else is going on here. Um, and if you want to spend for an information spend, there is a one point cost. Um, yes, uh, you said that I beat him by how much? Uh, you beat him by two. So you okay, should have that'll four bring us up to momentum nine. three because I spent one for cautious oh, right. to get uh, the third die. Right, right, right. Uh, so yes, I'll spend one of those, bring us down to two, and get two questions because studious. So Captain, it takes you a second to remember what it is you're looking at, but for a second, you're studying his face, your eyes narrow as you notice something very subtle that you didn't see before. The outer ring of his eyes has an iridescent blue glow to it. Um, it looks very similar to a side effect of being infected by the spores on the planet below. And he was in all likelihood part of the operation on the first torpedo, the one that blew up, and in all possibility he didn't bring personal protective equipment. They probably didn't know what they were getting into when they were trying to extract that first torpedo. leaving a potential vector for infection that 
Because it seems to have a neuro-presentation could conceivably account for the us that's getting hurt. Yes, yes, you have a face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with my question, uh, hmm. What can I get off of the persona that seemed to break through in those moments? Like, uh, like as a, as, as an, as an agency with wants and, and Mm -hmm. personality-ness, if I want to make a deal there. (laughs) Yeah. If you're trying to profile what you're seeing right now, you get the impression he's having impulse control problems. Like there is. He's, it's almost like he's being given a desire that he doesn't want. It doesn't, let me put it this way. You're not getting the impression he's possessed or anything, but he is acting strange for sure. And it, it, it seems like his contradicting of himself is in conflict every moment. It seems like he wants something that he says, no, I don't want that. And then he's like, but please give me this, but I don't want that. So don't give me that. It seems like he's kind of uh, fighting his impulses. Like he's not, he's, yeah, he's at, he's in conflict with himself in a constant contradictive state. Maybe it's more of an influence that's happening, but you're, it, it seems like it's a little bit more, there's a little more control than like, say, if you were under the impression that something was puppeting him. I stand up well I can only get you a reduced sentence with any kind of information so I should give you some time to think about what information you can give me in the no, meantime no, 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 we'll get no, you something to drink and something no, Captain, to eat and... no please I, I don't have that kind of time the torpedoes have to go I, I, or they could stay and you could sell them yourself Not that you would do that, because you're a Starfleet captain. Um, do whatever you want with them. Um, but if you could please find a way to get them off world, or away, or just gone, somehow, I could do it, and you could put me on my ship. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll take it under advisement. I'm going to walk out. Okay. You and I'm going to say tape. to the security officer, uh-huh. get those tapes to Dr. McCrell. I tape. want her... Oh, the, the, of, the recording of the, of the interrogation. interrogation? Oh, okay. I want her medical opinion on what she's seeing. Hi, Captain. Them. And a status report on whatever's going on with her down there. Hi, Captain. My, and I want a report on my crew in a hole! Everyone in the corridor hears you shout that. And it might be the first time that they've heard Azari Saul raise their voice in fury. <laughs> An angry captain. And it causes a few of the Ox crew to pause and look down the hall. And they will remember the day <laughs> that they heard Azari pissed. <laughs> um, 
I feel like this is a good moment to cut to engineering because that's yes. exactly what Tech and uh, Sing have been working on. Uh, we're working on developing a probe that we can send down and like we're working on the coordinates so that we can aim it directly into where the sinkhole is. If I remember correctly, you also have a certain Andorian engineer with you guys in that hole as well. She's down there, yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's an asset I too. What, I don't remember which engineer, but we have two engineers along with. Dari. Dari's Dari? with you. No. And Dari's, also... with, Dari's with the cat. Or sorry, um, McCraw. I thought I thought Dari left McCrell to join y'all. I'm completely remembering this uh, for the defuse. Yeah, Dari yeah. was on uh, defusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was Dari, she? Yeah, she came over to help. Uh, you guys she was in site one. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. Misunderstood. But you were right because she got site to site transported over there uh, when shit was going down. Um, okay, right. so but I've been engineering... keeping a close eye on her. <laughs> so that's oh, right. Yes, right. very close eye. Oh man, yes. And news probably hasn't gotten back to tech yet that Dari was in that hole because I suspect that you're just assuming that Dari is still uh, in the medical with facility with McCrell. <laughs> um, Singh looks up from you, looks up to you for a moment as he's looking over some of this uh, the probe schematics and says. The problem is, Chief, is we don't know the exact nature of the disturbance. So, we might need... This would be so much easier with Lieutenant Lacat. Well, unfortunately, she might be down there. Okay. Listen, is there a way that we could maybe send the probe down part way? And if it encounters anything dangerous, to just send every bit of information back? We should use two probes, yes. Let's send one probe down partial way, like you suggested. We'll scan where the interference is coming from. Maybe we can get enough of a weak signal back to the Ross. And from there, we can make a new probe based off of that information. And this is where your specialty comes in, because we could attach beam enhancements down there. If we can uh, send enough probes, we could maybe establish a signal for an emergency beam out. Do you want to tell the captain? Chief Tech to Captain Sal. I think we may have a plan moving forward. We've got a couple of probes that we're going to send down there and maybe an enhanced beam protector. Mm. You know, you said those words at just the right time. I'm so happy to hear proceed at once. Hi, uh, Captain. And then... I smile at the ones who heard the, okay. you know, yeah. voice. Tech just um, looks over at Singh and is like, did that sound weird? No? Oh. They, they sounded very angry. That's weird. Very weird. And he glances down and just focuses back on his work. Mm. <laughs> Almost like that's driving him to like, I'm going to go back to really focusing on what we've got to yeah. do here. Um, <laughs> all right. So why don't we do this? Before we cut away from main engineering and get back down into the hole in the planet, um, Let's go ahead and have you make a roll here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to go into the complexity. I usually try to keep it one extended task a session because they can get kind of uh, cumbersome. So let's go ahead and just turn this into a, a roll that you can spend momentum for to reduce how much time it's going to take to start. I'm going to say to build one single probe, to modify a probe mm -hmm. is going to be, uh, I'm going to say that's going to take a standard of one hour. Okay. If you you can spend momentum to cut ten minutes off, 
uh, of that time if you want to do it faster. Would it, do I make a roll though? Yeah, base roll, and then any momentum you generate can go into that to shaving off. Gotcha. The time. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to get an assist from Chief Singh. Great. Uh, so what is the difficulty in the uh, the, uh, difficulty for this is going to be three. Three. Uh, yeah. And is it control engineering? It's control engineering for sure. Okay. Um, I'd like to use one momentum for cautious engineering to add it. Okay. Die. Okay. And let me just double check. Oh, you know what? The Ross helps here too. Oh, God. Oh, Chief Sang rolled a one. Yay! Sorry, I've, been playing, I've been playing a lot of D&D lately, so I saw the one and I was like, oh, no. Wait. <laughs> oh, damn. This is what poor Talison had to go through when he guessed it on our show. Um, uh, does, okay, okay. Uh, transporters and replicators as a focus, would that apply? No. Or uh, something else? <laughs> uh, no, Nothing else fits. Ross does get to assist you on this. Great. You well, are using the USS Ross's computers. So Tech um, got three successes, so it's a success no matter what. The rest is okay. gravy. Yeah, yeah, let's get that. Okay, so uh, Singh got a one, so it's a critical success for him. Great. Uh, so that's now, two more. Okay, so the, the Ross, I'm going to have the Ross roll computers and engineering. I can do that. Okay, okay. Do, do, do. That's uh, 11, 14. One success. Perfect. So you beat the difficulty by four, is that right? Three. Th th by three it was a three okay difficulty we got six so ten nine eight okay so that should take half an hour off half. yeah you can do it in 30 minutes unless you want to spend more momentum to cut some time down yeah we have four okay. momentum now let's uh what if well what if i use six like i just yeah. dump all of it you could do that and you would have it done right away wow we have then you have four momentum plus you have four baseline momentum plus the three you just gained, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it Isn't should be correct? no. We we were down to one momentum, then yeah. we gained three, so we had four momentum total. Don't y'all miss playing in a studio? <laughs> yeah, where we get a new plus, new plus. Yeah, I've been keeping count on the side. I feel yeah. like I okay. feel like we're in clue where it's like no one plus two plus one plus one. So we spend four. Spend four. So that's so going to be a total minutes. of 40, minute, 40 minutes down, so 20 minutes left. So you basically complete a task that would take a standard engineer an hour. And with Chief saying at your side, the two of you do it in 20 minutes. So y'all are basically using some designs that you have already come up with that uh, just as like a pet project over the past year in space that you and LaCat and everybody had just kind of like fiddling around with tech in your uh, – that is technology and not actually the chief uh, – fiddling around in, in your spare time. Um, you have Can managed I say, to pull... also that Dr. Yugos might have helped out with some of his uh, research with that's um... true because he mm -hmm. specializes in spatial anomalies. Yeah, so he might have been able to lend he might have been able to lend uh, his expertise to this, uh, especially when he finds out that one of his best friends is down in a hole. <laughs> Yugos, Yugos is going to be like, uh, yes, of course, anything I can do to help. Uh, uh, you you can't reach them. I. I if this is a subspace problem, then I can definitely lend my expertise in any way possible. Well, uh, kinda. Let me, let me see, uh, yes, let me see, let me see the, oh yes, okay. Um, I don't know if this is technology is available to you, but let me show you one of the things that we do. And he starts tweaking some of the schematic and the three of you working together. 
in that 20 minute time block, we're going to cut down to uh, below the surface. Uh, below the surface of this world, you are all still at the very bottom of that hole, but at this point, you've managed to pull everyone up and out of the rubble. Um, one of the things that you have noticed ever since people are being pulled out of the rubble is the pirates that were up there during the exchange are also down here. <laughs> um, they Carter are ranked by our security detail. Yeah, we still have a prowl. Mm -hmm. Oh, prowl is prowl is to handle that. Everyone has kind of set up a small miniature camp. Right now, Ambassador Olin is keeping calm the young boy who's with his father at the moment and checking in with you guys. But um, just as a quick reminder, the head of the colony is down here. That's Yomti. Um, Yomti and his son, Vatil. Yomti is the community leader of this world, and his breather mask was broken on the fall. He doesn't have it on right now. Um, he's not displaying any symptoms yet. But here we are. Um, LeCat, you've managed to get some basic readings on your tricorder. It is still fluctuating. You're, you've been able to boost the power a little bit on this, but the scanning is still a little spotty. You're not getting full information reads. You're getting partial data stream from the uh, sensors. So, what is the partial data that I am getting? Just that the DNA of a lot of the organic life down here is clearly related to, and in some cases, it's an exact duplicate. And here's the implications of that, Lacat. Mm -hmm. The DNA, the, the the genetic code of some of the biological uh, life that's down here, is. From, from what you have been able to read based off of that role that you had when you were scanning um, after charging it with a, uh, a cell battery mm -hmm. is it's almost as if the life down here is a clone of the life that you discovered on that world in the Shackleton Expanse. It's not just related. Some of the plant life down here, some of the spore life and fungi looks like it's the same genetic genetically indistinguishable from each other can i get like an age reading on this um why don't we have you roll for it and mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult because of the interference and to reflect this i'm going to go ahead and just spend two threats <laughs> uh, and that is going to activate. I don't know when its birthday is, Eric. Why do you need to for that? <laughs> I just love giving gifts. Um, yeah. So uh, let's let's go ahead and say that I have spent that threat, and that is going to add a trait to the scene. Okay. So a trait to sensory interference. So for right now, moving on. Anytime you guys want to do anything using your sensors, it's going to default at a difficulty of three. Okay. until you get rid of that uh, trait. So right now, um, I'm going to say it's difficulty three. Can I and use a, uh, um, a momentum for an extra dice, my friends? We don't we have, any, have any, because Xander used oh. all of them. Nice. Robe. Listen, it happened fast. <laughs> um, can I assign um, Ensign Dari 
to assist Lieutenant Lacat as well, um, since yes. this is of utmost importance of, A, I know Lacat's going to want as many samples as possible, yes. because we don't know if we'll be able to come back down here based on, we don't know what the interference is, if it's safe for us to even be down here for extended periods of time at the moment. And I have full capabilities that we will be rescued if we can't find our way out, but top priority is getting out as fast as possible before the infection within the, um, I already forgot his name, but he is oh, lovely. it's Yomti. Yomti. Um, that before the infection in Yomti starts to spread, because we're trying to actively make his kid almost not even notice anything's happening, because I, again, faith in the cat, or in, in uh, Dr. McCrow. Faith in the heart. Yes. Um. <laughs> Birds are hard today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so... Dari is going to be able to assist you, but you're not going to get any equipment assistance. So the difficulty is not going to drop, but you are going to get Dari's engineering expertise. And it just so happens that Dari specializes in jury rigging. So uh, Dari is going to roll with you. The difficulty is three. Go ahead and make your roll a cat. This is actually going to be control plus science. And oh, Dari. Okay. Because mm -hmm, you're using, you're basically using fine tuning to try to tweak that tricorder. You're, you're basically. Uh, in, you know, you're kind of using engineering on the tricorder. I'm, gonna, I'm delegating the engineering aspect of what you're doing to Dari since she's the engineer. It's okay. I got a worse roll this time when I was rolling for control and science. So. Oh no! Oh no! Um, can I use my sensors focus? Yes. Oh, thank God! I mean, so yes, I, uh, I so two successes and one twenty. Okay, so you're gonna get a complication, but Dari did hit that success, so you are going to succeed with a complication. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Uh, I am going to spend that. No, I'm gonna bank that threat. I'm gonna bank it. All right. You see the tricorder start to light up as power is being fed into it. And, oh, here's the complication. I'll cast that back. I've got an idea now. You can get a full sensor read as required, but it's going to burn out the tricorder. So, all right. Go ahead and make your reason science check. You get one roll, and the tricorder is going to die. <laughs> and Dari is going to have the same realization you are as soon as it starts to happen and the data comes in and you get to scan it. You, <laughs> there's going to be a moment where you read the data and get confirmations that you need. And then we're gonna we're gonna have a, a funeral for our poor tricorder friend. It's okay. This tricorder is really Mr. Scanning. No. Um, Wait, go ahead. Sensors. Uh, I can still use my sensors focus. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So use reason science check here and use yeah, your sensors. Three, three focus. The difficulty is going to drop down to two because Woo! you're using a tricorder now. Um. So difficulty is two. You got three successes. So gain a momentum. Um, and the data starts coming back as you charge up the tricorder. Couple of things immediately registering on the tricorder as it gets full capability for a few moments to actually scan this cavern. First of all, the cavern that you're in is actually connected to a large tunnel network and it only goes one direction, um, but it seems to lead uh, to the east which is actually a little closer to the colony itself. It's kind of, not not in the exact same direction, but in the direction-ish. 
of the colony itself, but it looks like a vast underground cavern tunnel network that kind of spreads throughout. It does branch a couple of ways, but it doesn't look like there's much of a chance getting lost. You can scan up to about two kilometers away with this scan. Um, the tunnel probably travels for about a kilometer before it opens up into another large passageway, much like the one you're in. And then it stretches on for another half kilometer where your tricorder picks up highly unusual readings that seem to be the source of the gravitational anomalies here in the entire network of cave. Um, you, you detect uh, also a bloom of biological readings all over these cave networks, particularly in the location of that gravimetric disturbance, that gravitational disturbance, I should say, at the end of the cave network, about two kilometers from here. The terrain also gets scanned and it doesn't look like it's gonna be an easy hike, but doable. Um, you also get an environmental scan as well. And it looks like the air down here is pretty consistent from start to finish. Uh, it looks like the air, the air down here is, let me put it this way, LaCat, you're starting to see that this could be problematic for those that breathe air down here, specifically for the dead. The reason why is because your tricorder comes back displaying that this place is rich in oxygen. Which could explain why the dad is starting to giggle a little bit as he's talking to his son <laughs> up in the corner. Um, this place is basically, this is some of the most pure natural air that you've ever seen. It's not so much air as it's almost pure oxygen down here. Traces of H, traces of hydrogen, traces of nitrogen and traces of carbon dioxide, but a lot of pure oxygen. It's problematic. <laughs> um, this amount of oxygen that has been stored down here could be dangerous. You probably don't want anything flammable going off down here either. No. Um, <laughs> but... Um, you mean like a bomb exploding? <laughs> or a bomb explosion? Exactly. Or, like a or static electricity from someone's uniform. Yes. Um, so here's what happens. Am I a uh, fire hazard? You, you also, You're not, not a fire hazard. <laughs> you, also, you also get a quick glimpse at some of the biological reading that's going on through here. You can definitely confirm, based off of your previous sensor scan, that the life down here is... Ab there's no there's no doubt they're genetically related to the plant life you found on the other planet it cannot be doubted anymore some not all seem to be genetic clones of the plant life that you found on the surface of that world uh nothing about the plant life in here seems inherently lethal or dangerous you're not detecting any toxins you are detecting all of those spores are down here and even though those don't inherently give off a red flag of toxicity in the scan, you of course now know that these things cannot be inhaled without it becoming dangerous. Um, and that is what you get before the tricorder begins to flicker. And then I'm gonna spend two points of threat because the overcharge not only causes it to flicker, but spark, which as you're reading the, as you were oh. reading the, as you're reading that, this thing pops in your hand, oh. Lacat. Um, you, you, Lacat is literally in the middle of reacting to the information when it goes pop, pop, and 
it's enough of a spark that it causes a like a firework going off. Okay, I no chain reaction, so don't worry because I'm only spending two threat for this. But it's enough that I'm going to roll three challenge dice on damage for you. Oh damn it! And Dari is close enough that this is going to probably give her one challenge dice. You on the light take, in this room, but I'm going to wait. For you take two points of stress damage. Oh boy. Okay. And Dari is going to take two points of stress damage. And nice. both of you are popped back suddenly as the tricorder blows up in your hand. Oh boy. Oh as boy. the as as the the complication from the engineering and the mixture of the gases in this cave all just come together and in a in an incredibly the odds are stacked like unbelievable that it happened, mm -hmm. but it pops. And you drop the tricorder to the ground, and your hand has got this small wisp of smoke coming up. You can see burns on your fingertips and on the inside of your palm. Lieutenant! Oh. Um. Listen, are you all right? Um. Uh. Yes, I'm fine, I'm fine. But uh, she's going to, like, give you the information on the atmosphere here, as well as, like, I think that I know where the source of this... Uh, a gravitational pull is and it's through those tunnels and I I my tricorder's on the fits, but I think that we should go investigate it. Would and phasers explode this place? Phasers what? would definitely ignite. Oh yeah. Immediate no weapon fire. <laughs> so let me it's ask a you rudimentary the mission from this point on. No tricorders, no phasers. All right. I'm gonna have you make a roll real quick, Exio. Okay. Uh, I want you to roll insight plus command. Okay. And I'm gonna set the difficulty for this at two and tell me what you get. Oh boy. Also, just to clarify, they're wearing like Enviro suits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. What'd you say the challenge was? Number? Uh, two. Fuck. I only got one. Okay. Um, so oh, you... No. no. All right. Uh, and, and yes, Sandra, to clarify, so the, the burn on your hand, Lacat, is not seared into your flesh, per se. You do <laughs> feel the burn on your flesh, but it's more, the environment, the environment suit's been damaged, essentially. And you said um, two stress or three stress. I'm so sorry. I was writing this, that. Uh, two, I believe. Two. The suit... Is it all, is this connected to it or is the mask separate? Oh, the mask, her mask is intact, but the Enviro okay. suit I wasn't she sure is if it's like a suit where like the internal air is also the internal air. Oh, so it, it very much works very similar to like Star Trek's Discovery's uh, Enviro suits, which are smart. If there is an exposed part of the body in order to protect the rest of the body, it can make a seal. So if, if, for example, if LeCat's hand became exposed to the outside, the Enviro suit, if it's not damaged, can seal so that the person still inside does not just die because they lost their uh, hand. So Great. In this case, as you walk over, you tell Prawl, no gun, no shooting, no nothing in here. Prawl nods to you and then immediately shoots a glance over at the pirates who now heard that weapons cannot be used in here. And uh, and it occurs to you, Exio, which is what that command roll is for. It occurs to you that the pirates are now aware that a firearm cannot be used against them. And they just kind of look at all of you. Prawl gives them a look right back. I'm going to have Prawl make a roll for Intimidate yeah, here. <laughs> now, right now, please. 
Um, I'm gonna have, and, and Prawl actually does have a focus in intimidation. So, and I roll can a four. I, I roll a four and a one. Can I also try to intim? Oh, to, can I yeah, also? Yeah, you want to? You want to do that? Do you want to momentum? Yeah. Uh, if you want to, if you want to assist on this. Yes. Um, without take with while well, he looks at them without I, I am now realizing that they are in earshot mm -hmm. and and that he's giving them a look purposefully. I'll just say, you know which method to use instead if they try. <laughs> okay. So That's like great. play out the activate the omega thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> the omega thirteen particle. Go ahead and make. Uh, I would say roll a single die, and on this, I would say make a presence command check. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's a contested roll, so the flat difficulty here is two. I'm um, sorry, one one versus what they rolled. Oh, I also crit. Okay, so that's four five successes against. So that means we have uh, we currently have four momentum. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing about that is uh, they don't know what the f is going on, so they're already a little edgy right now. Uh, the fact that Prawl is standing there, like you know the Dominion War veteran sharpshooter with the goggles on, staring these guys down as he is, plus Exio, who has managed to show that she can go invisible if she wants to. Um, and also jumped in a hole. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> they, they do not, they look a little cowed. They do not seem like they're particularly interested in picking a fight. Uh, however, had that role failed, they might have tried to look for opportunities. But in this case, right. with a, such a spectacular intimidation check, uh, Prawl glances back and goes, I'll make it clean. <laughs> and you see one of the pirates just go, are they not? They're Starfleet, right? Starfleet? <laughs> um, okay. Um, Prawl just grins and looks back at you and nods. Are, do our communicators work together under here? Testing. What's that? I'm checking if our communicators to each other work or if the interference so strong Any that do they appear to work if you have proximity it seems like if you get too far away in proximity they start to become a little static okay which by the way because of the scans that the cat did i can go ahead and confirm to you that in short range the communicators will work okay um uh lieutenant cat um i don't think it is wise for the entire mission to go forward especially with a citizen who is currently infected we don't want them getting closer based on your information that there is more plant life deeper within the tunnels for us to move him closer as to possibly expedite his infection. Um, so this will be, uh, I, I do encourage going and checking it out as there may be a separate entrance or a separate exit tunnel up to the facility that we are unaware of. Um, an away team for the away team. An away team for the away team. Um, I trust you to set that up uh, with uh, Commander Prawl. Um, of course. Pick your um, I, if possible, and if Ensandari can be spared, I would love her her eyes on whatever is down there. Yes, I think that's a wise choice. Ensandari. Prawl steps forward and leans over to you, uh, Exio, and says, mm -hmm. "You know, you should actually probably go with her, Commander." You think? You know, I wasn't I sure if my I don't know how, I don't know how it works. Am I, am I 
literally am I a fire hazard? Is is my tech warm enough to spark? I don't know. No, <laughs> no it doesn't seem to be, but okay. but he does point out, he's like, if we're just going to stay stationary here on prisoner duty, we can leave the security officers with me. You are more than enough to handle whatever they run into. Plus, you have the added ability of being not constrained by the environment around here. With all due respect. Valuable, no, valuable assessment. Look at, I will accompany you if I'm chosen for the team. I will take it into consideration. <laughs> <laughs> I must say your resume is impressive, Commander. <laughs> All right, so Dari, Lacat, and Exio pack up and start getting ready to head off in the direction. Prawl and the other two security officers take a present formation uh, yeah. And the son and uh, Yomti and Vatil just get com comfy. Yeah. And um, I imagine um, uh, the ambassador is with them. Olin's going to want to stick here. Uh, yeah. they oh, just oh, I know. More... I just meant with them specifically. The oh, son. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Olin, Olin just says, I'll try to reach you on the communicator. If anything goes wrong, I know it's limited range, but um, um, Ross is probably trying to contact us. So if I hear from them, I'll see if I can relay what's going on. Thank you. Um, do you mind if I speak with you a moment? Of course, Commander. Um, I was not here for the negotiations, um, and I know you were quite nervous, and I wanted to let you know that you did nothing wrong. It was an unforeseen incident on my half. It doesn't take any of your behavioral reading skills commander to see that olin is doing their level best to keep that stiff upper lip but the yeah. olin has never been good at hiding yeah. that irritation with themselves and Absolutely. you just see them kind of look at you and go didn't go as i'd hoped the only important part at the end of a hostage negotiation is that the hostage is returned to their family this was a successful negotiation ambassador and I could not, and she looks, uh, I look down at her burn, their burns, mm -hmm. and then back at the sun, I could not have done what you did. I'm glad you were there, Ambassador. Olin seems to take that into account, and there's a, there's a nod, and they just say, I'll think about what you've said. Stay Please safe. <clears throat> okay. The cat, lead the way. The three of y'all go on a hike through a glowing forest that is literally a reminder the forest is upside down. There are trees growing on the ceiling and uh, these great, like, jungled style, almost redwood sized trees from the ceiling that's six to eight hundred feet over your head, casting a bluish, greenish, uh, bioluminescent glow across the inside of this cave. It is stunningly beautiful and completely alien and absolutely thrilling to see. And completely defies what you know. Plants this large, look at should not be able to grow out of the ceiling in this way that they have done and be able to support their weight. The roots must be miles long. 
first of all and how are they rocked how are they growing into the rock face there's so much about this that doesn't make sense not to mention that there's parts of the ceiling that registered on your scans that are reading as biological but when you glance up it almost looks like at first it seemed like there was a layer of fog like you might see at the bottom of a jungle, but instead on the ceiling where the roots of these trees would be. But as you guys move further and further away from the hole that you all fell down into Wonderland, moving deeper into the cave and you get more of that, I would say less light pollution, mm -hmm. with your eyes, Exio and everybody can start to see that it almost looks like there is a liquid on the ceiling. Some kind of liquid that is on the ceiling at the base of these trees, almost like there is a swamp over your heads and it's just not falling on top of you. It's it is so an upside down forest. So, swamp, so it's like not flowing water, it's stagnant water. Looks like it might be stagnant, but you do see it has the ripple effect of active, like wave action. You don't see any white caps or anything, but it looks like. It could be, it, and there's no wind down here, really. So it's either being dis, it's either operating on some other momentum, or there are things swimming under the surface. But enough of the water on the ceiling is moving at the base of this, and there's enough of it that you're able to. Disturbance could be causing the ripples too, Lieutenant. That's very true because gravity mm -hmm. ain't behaving here the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Well. Dr. Yugas would love this, is all that she can think about right now. <laughs> it's just, this is, this is what she's feeling. Um, but as much as she wants to... I'm, as many records as you could possibly need. <laughs> it's true, you've got a walking camera right now that's recording oh all gosh. of it. Better than a tricorder, better than a tricorder. <laughs> just yep. tell me where to point my face, Lieutenant. <laughs> you've got a, X, the Exio GoPro. <laughs> Um, as much as I want to keep looking up, I think that we should be looking ahead to where these tunnels lead. Um, so yeah, I think that we want to keep going further into it and just get a lay of the land, um, specifically and see if there is, I mean, first of all, it would be nice if there was just a nice little staircase to the surface, but I don't think so. But is there a nice little staircase to the surface? No, but before you laugh at the suggestion, keep in mind you fell into a hole after a torpedo exploded to find an upside down swamp over your head. So yeah, it's sure. not, you know, an outrageous thing to ask. <laughs> I mean, so, more scenario, we just like climb up, like we find a way to like pull down a vine and we just climb up the vine. That's my. Video game style? Yeah. yeah I mean, if you maybe punch a brick, a vine will grow out of it and take you up into the next exactly. world. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah. The tunnel that we're currently, based on how we are moving, is the tunnel uh, flooring going at an even keel? Is it going down? Are we going question. It seems to be going at a level that is consistent with uh, the rest of the cave complex. It doesn't look like it goes okay. down, goes up, goes down. It doesn't look like it changes dramatically or it goes deeper into the planet itself. Great. As just as long as we weren't going deep. Down, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Moria sounds great until you get there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, for, but I will say this. The cave complex that you're journeying through right now is... It is consistent. It's not just a tunnel you're going down. It is uh, more and more of this, um, this, 
this artificial environment, uh, or this rather, I should say, very not artificial environment of this swamp over your head and plant life growing all over. But you do notice one last piece of information that's worth noticing is the ceiling that y'all are walking on seems to be primarily uh, connecting with spores that are floating around here that are catching uh, the bioluminescence and reflecting light back, causing them to look like basically little bitty puffballs of, of snow that's being caught in the light. Um, the plant life does not grow past roughly the middle part of the ceiling itself. So it, again, it's behaving like y'all are the ceiling and it is the floor. Um, is is there any moisture where we're walking? Because sort of in cave structures, when there's cavernous mm -hmm. like being created, mm -hmm. water dripping down and pooling at the bottom, is it just doing the opposite? Or are, are we walking on sort of are there any, is it, which one is it, the stalactite? No, the D means it's on the ground, C means it's on the ceiling, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yes. Mm -hmm. but in this case, which one is it? No, uh, so like tights, hold on tight, so like mites might reach the ceiling. Right, but we're opposite, so the right. floor is the Who ceiling. Knows? Mm -hmm. So which, are there any of those to suggest that there the are all of right? So XDO. <laughs> yeah. Because you have asked, yeah. and because you are in a unique position, mm -hmm. it may not have been something that anybody else noticed, both being an enviro suit and not being able to use tactile sensation through their gloved hands to see what's going on. But as you're moving through the cave, on a impulse, you start asking yourself these scientific questions as you're moving through here on the hike. Uh, the light source has now become an ambient glow as opposed to shaft of sunlight overhead. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, it does seem to change the environment a little bit. And on instinct, you reach out to touch what looks like one of the rock faces because it is reflecting some of the light. And when you touch it, yes, moisture. You wipe what looks like a fluid, though, not water, some kind of like fluid that gets wiped off the side of one of these rock pieces. And as you hold it up in your hand, it flows. It seems to, instead of just like... Um, like if you were wiping up uh, dew with your hand, how the water would just like drip down. Mm -hmm. This doesn't, this looks like it's about to start dripping and the fluid rejoins itself and pools at your fingertip and holds there. Almost the way liquid would behave in low gravity, except it doesn't leave your fingertip, it remains on your fingertip pooled at the center. And, and the texture is more gooey rather than like. Yes, it feels a little, it, it doesn't feel quite as, it. It doesn't feel like thick, but it does not feel like water. Uh, a nice, fun walk and talk. Another sample. What is Dari making of all of this as well? Dari doesn't want to touch anything. <laughs> She's like, I against it. Dari is like moving through here, just going like ice caves, fine, fine. Fungi caves, not, not okay. This is not okay. No, this, is, okay. this is not okay. I mean, how, much, how much further would you estimate we are till we reach the gravitation disturbance room? Yes. About two kilometers, roughly. Oh. You've got a hike. Ah. I say we keep going. Absolutely. <laughs> There's science. I'm gonna keep my, my peepers open. Because I okay. can get a little closer. Right. The further we travel into this place, 
it seems to grow prettier with each description. Run towards the pretty. <laughs> um, I mean, I suppose if I was gonna be in any spot, this is gonna be my last spot. It's a pretty spot. Your Jane. last spot, Lieutenant. Jane just kind of lets her words trail off. Let's keep going down in two more kilometers. Let's go. The mute feature just protected you from your captain telling you to shut up. (laughs) 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 All right, so you guys continue forward. Um, I am going to request a roll from our chief medical officer. You are going into the next hour of research and trying to synthesize something that will stop these spores from killing your patients. Um, You two, you and, and... your fellow doctor, Dr. Stephen Yin, have been hard at work at this. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, the difficulty of the roll is three, the resistance is three, and the magnitude is two. You have currently worked off. Remember, you only had eight attempts. Correct. However, I'm at five now. You you have uh, you I have on this so I have on this that you have attempted three times. You've gotten three attempts in. Yeah, so I have five left. That's correct. Is what I meant. Um, right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You've worked twelve off of the work track from eighteen. Yeah, did. So. Yeah, I did. Yes, Macron. All right. So go ahead and make your roll. Doctor okay. Yin is going to make his roll. I'm going to and... take one momentum for an extra die. Okay, do keep in mind there is a resistance of three. So when you don't use piercing, it means I get to activate that that resistance on you. It makes it really difficult to score any successes. Correct. Okay, let's go okay. ahead and make your roll. Mm-hmm. And again, control medicine. Yep. Yes. Dr. Yen rolls a 13. That's one success from him. I got two successes and a 20. Uh, okay. Wait, um, I have cautious. Ha! I got three successes. Three successes. Yes. <sighs> Thank you, cautious. Every time, uh, just a real quick sidebar. Every time, like I say, thank gosh for cautious. I think back to cr- character creation and Sam being <laughs> like, take cautious. Yeah, because Sam <laughs> watched. Sam watched. Yeah. We all saw what Cautious did for us on Shield of Tomorrow. So ever since then, everyone's like, fucking take Cautious, y'all. Take it. Be a very cautious. Some mechanics no are just good. <laughs> yup. Just... Reroll mechanics. Chief Tech. Some mechanics are just good. Ah. Uh, so, so that was four successes. So we gain one momentum back. And I would like to use uh, the momentum for piercing. So hold up. Uh, yes, you're going to want to use piercing. Yes, Otherwise, you're not actually going to succeed. And that's a one momentum, correct? Uh, Spend or two? Uh, let me double check. It's been a while since we've used this. Um, yes. And the cheat sheets for Star Trek Adventures are, have gotten a lot better, but they still. Uh, oh, here we go. This is. Okay, here we go. Um, additional work. Yep, 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 yep. Most common spinning. Uh, 
examples. Here we go. Uh, magnitude work difficulty. Sorry, give me one sec. I, <laughs> I forgot to. I should have written that part down. Uh, but uh, usually I, I refer to Debbie, you got yes. this? I have it. Piercing ignores two points of resistance for one momentum. Okay, so you, can re, so you can ignore two points, which will bring... So you'll still succeed. You'll hit the difficulty exactly. Right. So you only have to spend... Uh, how much momentum is that? One point? One. One, one to... Re, okay. Which means resistance will drop to, to one. You rolled three successes. Is that correct? No, four successes. Mm -hmm. So the resistance chops that down to three, and then you hit the target number. So bam, you succeed. And which is all you needed to do. three momentum left. So now roll your medicine plus two... Mm -hmm. So the and D6s. How many successes you get? <laughs> That's a good sound. That's a good sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh eight one effect. I legit so I only have four die here, so I had to do four and three. The first four that I rolled, all of them were two successes and one success, one effect. I was uh, like, "Ooh, that was that that was the happy face." Five successes gives you a breakthrough, and you finish the work track, which gives you a second breakthrough, which means you just completed the task. Ooh! Because you had a magnitude of two. I Scotty so, this. In one mighty stroke, <laughs> uh, you behead the dragon, and um, you boned it. <laughs> yep. I boned yep. it. Yeah, I boned um, that. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, McCrell, it all just starts falling into place for you. You start seeing how some of the proteins are reacting to some of the stuff that you're synthesizing, and you're able to start plotting some pretty advanced changes to the synthesis of this tonic that you're making. And just on a whim, you and Dr. Yin start guessing at some of the some of the science has been hinting in certain ways and some of the scans that y'all have been having on the way the 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 vaccine is reacting to the pro to the proteins and the molecules of the spore itself mm -hmm. kind of get you both in a moment where you think it's possible that it's doing this instead of this and the two of you putting your heads together in the next 30 minutes carve out um a workable vaccine that should interact and prevent uh, the advancement of symptoms of the spores in people. And immediately, once you have the first batch synthesized and replicated, you and Dr. Yin take it over to this young teenage girl who has probably only got a few hours left. And <laughs> it may not be to typical protocol, but desperate times call for desperate measures and you inject her. And the two of you sit down next to her bio bed and begin to read the changes that are happening. Mm -hmm. You get to see her life support monitor starts to change, but you get to see after about maybe three minutes of watching, Dr. Yin wipes some of the sweat off of his forehead and takes a seat next to you. And in silence, y'all just watch the biomonitor bed. Because according to some of the readouts you have and the models that y'all built, you should see a change happen to her life support readings pretty quickly. Um, nothing's happening yet. Dr. Yin sits there for a second and says, So, are you the Dr. McCrell that was nominated for that prestigious award not too long ago? Yes. You used Borg nanites to help rebuild a Romulan brain. 
not rebuild, more just like reroute. Reroute. That's incredible. Um, that's incredible. It's it's. Uh, if you don't mind my saying, it's. It's a certain type of poetry taking such a terrible weapon and turning it into something that helps somebody. I don't think there's been a bigger victory against the Borg. Well, sometimes the things that we are most afraid of have uh, the best positive ending. Hmm, I think I know what you mean. It's not, yes. I, I'll have to write that down and reword it later. <laughs> uh, yeah, put it in a medical journal. <laughs> yes. It's the same thing as sometimes discovering a poison can give us so much more when we discover some kind of antidote or... Mm. Mm. Earth's history has lots of stories like that. Yes. Some of the best scientific breakthroughs have come from history's darkest times. So you find the darkness, and within the darkness you find the light, and then you have tea. And then you have tea. Yes. Uh, question for you, Eric. Did the captain send me those videos yet? Not yet. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that's going to happen in just a moment. Okay. Um, but instead, because we're about to go on our break, while you are sitting there and you guys fall back out of the small talk and quiet, you see the bio signs begin to change on the bed. And you see the oxygen levels in her blood begin to rise. And then her eyes shoot open. <gasps> I immediately grab her hand. She grabs your hand and stares at you. And she looks at you for a moment and says, who, who are you? Just the doctor. Uh, Dr. Yen immediately uh, walks over and says, Michelle, this is Dr. McCrell. She's been helping me formulate an antidote to the spores. And we think, we think we, we helped you. We think you're going to be okay. And she, her expression doesn't change. She looks at Dr. Yen and she looks back at you and looks at the Starfleet insignia on your uniform, notices you're wearing a uniform. And she goes, Starfleet. Yes. And she pulls you close and says, the torpedoes are hurting us. And that's where we're going to pause for our break. Ooh. Mm. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Ooh. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies, where we last left off. McCrell had successfully synthesized an antidote to slow down the effects of this spore that had gotten inside the body of this young girl. The young girl has awoken, and the first thing out of her mouth is, uh, after like registering where she is and who's in front of her, uh, is that the torpedoes are hurting us. Um, at about the moment that this is revealed, uh, is about the moment when you start receiving a data uplink to the Ross McCrell, mm -hmm. and you hear uh, coming through Chief Singh saying, this is Chief Singh to Dr. McCrell. 
McGrell here. Oh, Doctor, on the orders of the Captain, I've been forwarded some information from an interrogation that happened, and I'm sending it to you right away. It looks like, uh, uh, well, I, you'll have to see for yourself, and begins to feed the data, which immediately is brought up on one of the display screens. Mm -hmm. um, as this is happening, Dr. Yin holds this young girl's hand and says, what, what does that mean? The torpedoes are hurting us. And as you glance over at the screen, you see Captain Sol in the interrogation room with this individual. You have no idea who the I'm very confused. I yeah. ever thought everyone was happy and fine and going about you their have, day. You have no idea who Sol is talking to, but the individual in question seems to be very conflicted. Mm. However, um, you do... We'll say, for the sake of giving this information over, you do see the blue ring around this person's eyes and the person mentioning over and over again in that erratic way that he was talking, the torpedoes. Mm -hmm. You basically see the scene as it played out, which has a context that nobody else has but you because of this girl's awakening and the first mm -hmm. thing that she is concerned about. Uh, I'm going to turn back to the girl and, and, uh, her name was, what was it again? Jennifer? Was it Jennifer? Wait, what was her name again? I can't remember. We can make it Jennifer. She's, she's in peace. It was Michelle, I believe. Michelle, Michelle. I'm going to grab her hand and be like, Michelle, when you say that the torpedoes are hurting you, do you mean you physically, or are you just compelled to tell me this for some reason? <sighs> I don't know. Um, what made like you say that winded. to me? She just says, I, I... I don't know how I know that or how I feel that. I just needed to tell you. It's all right. You get, you get some rest and you're going to feel better very soon. And then I'm going to pull uh, Dr. Yen away. Uh, as you pull away, she squeezes and doesn't let you go immediately okay and she says i feel something um i feel and then she let relaxes her hand and sinks back into the medical bed and stares up at the ceiling Dr. Yin looks at you and steps aside with you for a second and says, she seems to be having some kind of response to the vaccine. I do not believe that it is the vaccine that is causing this. I feel like... What is causing the infection, the spores, are trying to tell us something. The spores are trying to tell us something? Do you ever suspected that the life on this planet is somewhat sentient? <laughs> no, nothing Starfleet ever gave us suggested that this... If there was sentient life, that would have completely affected our colonization plans. That w We wouldn't be here. They might not have been able to... show themselves or communicate with us until now. Did you not see on the video, on the 
Interrogation. No. Video? What video? Oh, did he not see it? He no, he was he was oh. with her. Yeah. He you take him over and he played. Yeah, the let, I would like Oh, I guess I yeah, I'm gonna let him his, I'm just gonna show him the a clip of 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 the person going back and forth. Okay. I'm not gonna show the full video. That was a personal interrogation of that the captain was doing and I'm just gonna show like just the, the small clip of, of the person going back and forth with Ooh. saying get the torpedo off, get, you know, you know. Um, Dr. Yin watches this and goes, uh, who is this? I also do not know this, but my captain thought that it was important. He's obviously infected in some way as well, and does not seem in his right mind, as if he's compelled to say things that he's not fully controlled, has control over. He mentions the torpedoes numerous times and then seems to double back. He seems erratic and impulsive. Yes, and when Michelle mentioned that the torpedo was hurting her, I just feel like it's somehow linked in some uh, way. Um, when it said, when she said the torpedo is hurting us, she wasn't saying me, she said us. You know, it just occurred to me. Michelle's been in this medical facility since the environmental controls went down. She and was one of the first infected, yes? Yes, she's had visitations, but that's from her family, of course, when they were permitted in here. But my point is... And you see Dr. Yin look over at it and goes, how the hell does she even know about the torpedoes? That was a Bonnie reaction, not a McCrell reaction. <laughs> Dr. Yen looks mystified as he's staring over at the medical bed. She is just laying there looking up, and you can still see the blue glow in her eyes. And she's just blinking and looking around. And he says, you know, Doctor, I know you see some strange things in space travel, but I think you might be onto something here. This and is that... not the first time that a species was discovered with sentient thought that prior knowledge allowed us to not believe that they were sentient. If that's the case, then we need to reevaluate. This changes everything. Yes. It means, it means that they may be defending themselves. We might be invaders in their world. <laughs> this might... We need to evaluate how our vaccine is affecting our patients as well. And this is yes. going to have wide stretching implications. Uh, but if they are, if they have some way of communicating with us, that means that we can also minute. find a way to communicate with them. So there's a gap here that we're missing. Mm. Up until this moment with the vaccine, spores have been killing people. Now all of a sudden, she's having these thoughts or, or she's saying these things. This guy has never received the vaccine. No. So how is and we don't know how long he's been affected either. We need a medical scan of him as soon as possible. I will let my captain know. And Dr. Yin, if for some reason you start feeling compelled to say things 
that you might not normally feel or say, please. Give, give me the vaccine. Make me test subject. Are you sure? Yes. I mean, I have a view from it on the outside now, and I can try to, if I can, analyze whatever might be happening to me. I mean, it seemed to have an almost instantaneous effect on her. It took about 10 to 15 minutes for it to settle in. It... I'm not quite as far along as she was, but it's worth a shot. Yes. A shot. And then I'll... He moves over. Um, you two synthesize and replicate another vaccine dose. Um, he pulls his sleeve up as you admit it, put it into the hypo spray. And he goes, all right. Let's, um, let's see if I can find out what she's talking about and he's talking about. The spores might not have been killing hosts on purpose. It might have just been their way of trying to communicate. Maybe this will give an easier way. Maybe. Alright, I'm gonna give it. Okay. And wait. You administer the hypo spray, and he just flexes his hand after you administer it, and he goes, while we're waiting, this guy here on the screen, he's looks like he's Zabalian. We don't have any Zabalians on here, so that's at least one variable. Before call he even me. says anything, I'm gonna call the captain really quick to make sure we do get a medical scan of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Call up to the captain. Um, uh, Dr. McCrell, to Captain Sol. Yes, this is Captain Sol. Captain, uh, You probably hear you. some footsteps like I'm on my way to somewhere. Thank you for that intel, would you so kindly send a medical scan of your guest as soon as possible? We I think myself, he might be onto uh, something. Namely what? We believe that these spores may have some kind of sentience and are trying to communicate pain. All right, then we're on the right track. I will address some of that. Please calms your staff for the scan. I'm afraid you'll find I'm a captain, not a doctor. It's all out. Um, it's a that's McCrell. It's McCrell. The this it's. It's got an edge of humor to it, but you detect sort of snippiness on part of the, part of the captain. Captain seems <laughs> very irritated. <laughs> so as the comms cut out, it's kind of like you've never heard Skull like really emoting some frustration and irritation right now. I'm Something sure everything's fine. The crew some... must be just in a bad mood. Friend probably cracked a bad joke. Yeah. Dari is fine. Speaking, speaking of which, when you step back onto the bridge, Captain, and you hear Captain on the bridge. Oh, where are you headed? I'm heading uh, to the uh, transport room. Okay. Is you that where uh, Chief and, uh, well, Chief, have both <laughs> bunkered no? down? Because I know both of you have your respective. We were working on the probe. Yeah, y'all were working on the probe. And by the way, that is finishing up. Great. So where are you, incidentally? Should we be in like a hangar or? Uh, Y'all would be in main engineering. 
Main engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I wouldn't mind doing a walk and talk status update for that while I'm on my way to transport, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Captain. I'm coming along. <laughs> Do I have any updates on it? On getting what? my crew out of a hole? Well, I mean, it seems like we've gotten these probes figured out pretty quickly. I mean, we thought it was going to take a lot longer, but we're ready to send down. Excellent. That was... That's what I need. You're on it. Good. Uh, Continue on that. While you do that, I will attempt a different method of extricating our crew from the hole. Captain? Do something that makes Prawl so mad that he has to come back to yell at me. Is it best if I don't know what's happening? It's best if you get my crew out of the hole. Aye, Captain. Tell Singh to be on standby for a transport in 45 seconds. I'm almost got this gear on. For one? Yes. Understood. Are you in the transporter room, Captain? Fill out. Yep. I'm, I'm okay. getting my PPE going. Okay, so in the transporter room, listening to this whole conversation, is uh, a certain petty officer, second class, Ravas. A Saurian, who for the longest time has had a lot of confidence issues until they got a very promising, uh, like, uplifting speech from one Jane LeCat some time ago at Narendra Station, and has since kind of found that sort of confident air. And as you are saddling up, the Ravas just goes, oh, where can I transport you, Captain? I have this site brought up right here, and it's going to be second site. Um, glances down and says, ah, uh, I'll call the security team. I believe all threats were neutralized. But thank you. I appreciate your conscientiousness. Ravess pauses and says, uh, uh, That would be one, then, to beam down, Ravess. Yes, Captain. Um, yes, Captain. <laughs> the hesitation, and then it says, <sighs> Are you uh, all right? Uh, in a monologue about reminding you of protocol and Starfleet regulation, and also not wanting to be stupid and say that to my captain. It's happening inside my head right now, and until you asked me that question, the not wanting to say something to my captain had won, so I think I'll just do as you've ordered, sir. Excellent. Much appreciated. You see the anxiety as, aye, Captain, and- Oh, hand me that toolkit, please. Reaches over and grabs one of the, the toolkit boxes and hands it to you and says, Good luck, Captain. Dear, I think this one has text name on it. <laughs> Just in scotch tape and written on marker. <laughs> Tech. Right, it's the grab the kit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That means it's the best one. Yep. 
Uh, okay, you are beamed down to the surface of the planet alone at the site of the second bomb, uh, the second torpedo. Uh, the torpedo, of course, is still there, did not detonate. Some of the materials were removed from it. Uh, the entire casing of the torpedo itself still there. Um, torpedo still dangerous. Warhead still intact. There. Um, and as you beam on sight, Captain, in your Enviro suit, you see what everyone else has been seeing, this beautiful planet that has, you're kind of in like this shrub land. It looks very much like uh, the, like sort of the, like the beautiful, sh like wasteland of uh, like deserts of Arizona, where you just see far stretching, like uh, beautiful, like dark red sands and shrubbery that's been growing up out of the ground. Of course, very unique plants. And then of course, in the atmosphere itself around you, floating like ash from a distant fire are these little flecks that are undoubtedly the spores that live here. Um, in front of you is this scar of a land burned right into the crust of the planet itself. Uh, Zodoronis is a planet that is far enough away from its main sequence yellow star that the temperature out here is not going to be that much of an issue uh, for anybody who wasn't in an Enviro suit. You're registering that it's basically uh, a warm day here, planet side. Um, and you can see overhead that star shining in the afternoon sky and aware that the Ross is up there beyond that curtain, that great marble of blue that's over your head. But you're down here alone with what looks like, and you've seen these before, but most of the time that you've seen them, they were in footage being fired at Starfleet vessels. This is a Dominion uh, Polaron torpedo. These weapons were designed to drain the power of vessels upon impact, just like their Polaron beams. While a lot of uh, updated Federation technology was destructive into its own right, specifically quantum torpedoes being a huge leap in the destructiveness of torpedo impacts on hulls, Polaron torpedoes were able to accommodate for high yield warheads, but also cause a systems drain if they detonated inside the hull of a ship. Along with Polaron beams that the Dominion preferred, as well as the Polaron cannon, it made it easy to completely dismantle their opponents and destroy them at the same time. Um, it is a vicious weapon. And you see the telltale signs of Dominion technology all over this thing, just being outside of it. It is open. The casing is wide open, and the warhead is visible from where you are standing. <sighs> It has been so long since I disarmed a bomb. <laughs> oh my goodness, Sam DeLeff. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Well, it would uh, hardly make any sense to have additional crew. If it goes wrong, that's just casualties, frankly. So here I am. And here we are. And I have the kit. Okay. You kneel down next to this warhead. Uh, the torpedo <laughs> itself is about twice the length of you are tall. Um, <laughs> and the, even even after all these years the, and the dust that it's accumulated over the shell casing of this torpedo, um, the technology inside is spotless, glossy, and you see the telltale signs of that purple energy signature that the Dominion was known to favor so much. The warhead is active. It is not currently live, but this could certainly detonate if you make a wrong move. 
We have three momentum. Just wanted to throw that out there for no particular reason whatsoever. You know, I appreciate that entirely random exchange of information. Uh, before I get my hands into the guts of it, uh, I don't think it works without, you know, a neural medium for communication, but just, just so you know, spores. If this goes wrong, I really was trying to stop you hurting. Good. I'm going to go into the thing now. All right. <sighs> and it was never a torpedo. It was never a torpedo. Uh, all right, so uh, are we all right if I take all three of those and get two dice? That feels, I don't have cautious here because I'm not. Uh, what's the difficulty on, on, on this? Uh, this is difficulty five. It's control engineering check. Good, great. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I'm not gonna spend any threat here. It's difficulty five control engineering. I appreciate it. Uh, look, I'm out here alone uh, because I don't, my crew is in, half my crew is in a hole. A good chunk of my crew would really just not thrive in this particular situation. And I will do anything for my crew. Uh, so I would like to invoke said value uh, for my determination spend. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I need that, Eric. Um, Sam, honestly, what is, what's higher, control or daring for Saul? Oh, control. Okay. Because I was going to say... The chloro stays on as well it can, but... Okay. So go ahead and make your control engineering check, and I will allow you to apply that va that value so you get two automatic successes. Make your roll. Do uh, not can my jury rigging focus uh, roll in on this as well? No, not on this I have one. A... Fair enough. No, not on this one. Um, <clears throat> I. It's such a specialized skill set, what you're trying to do. I would say... What it, do you have any other specializations that might help you? Uh, that are pertinent to this. Um, I think oh. clandestine skills is the closest. Yeah, uh, and I don't really feel like it's right for a torpedo. Mm. Uh, this sort of like, you know, pipe bomb kind of nonsense that I saw much more of, sure. Torpedo, yeah. a little less. I'm just going to roll these dice and stop stalling because okay, I'm the nervous because it's, it's a torpedo. It's really hope there are no complications in those rolls. We're good. No complications. No complications. Uh, that's uh, an 8, 5, 13, and a 9. Uh, so uh, I think that gets on a, on a control engineering of 16. So all of them are successes, and that gets us to 6. Okay. I'm so, going to fall over now. <laughs> you reach inside the casing. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Star Trek Adventures always favors the players. It's designed to make players feel like they're in a Star Trek episode. And as a result, Star Trek players, uh, players in this game get advantage, basically, on being able to pull off crazy stuff. This, I would say, next to... Throlo getting assimilated by a Borg is probably the closest. Eric. Probably the closest one of our players has come. Because a complication would have been very, very bad here. <laughs> uh, so as you're kneeling down next to this warhead, um, 
there is i will i will just give this to salt there is a adrenaline charge that you haven't felt since the days of espionage of old that you are experiencing right now as you fiddle with this warhead um there's a moment where you freeze for a second because the dominion like you are passingly aware of dominion technology and how like it is labeled how it is created and assembled you come across a few things that aren't familiar and you make some educated guesses and nothing happens to you um reaching in with the toolkit using an extraction laser you manage to remove some of the casing and sure enough the warhead comes clean and slides right out and you see the power source in the warhead power down for the first time in six years this torpedo is now dead And you're just holding it. Please come back and yell at me about that. Uh, The rest of the torpedo with the warhead removed immediately powers down. Propulsion systems and everything that was keeping this thing going uh, just goes and you see the purple lights blink out. You are now holding essentially an antimatter bomb that expels Polaron radiation. This thing, if it went off in its full force, would be enough to level half a city. Um, And you just kind of hold it in your hands. This artifact of a bloody time in the Federation history. And it's disarmed. It's completely disarmed. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) And uh, how interesting that would have been if you had rolled a complication. Uh, But they didn't. They didn't. I... <gasps> okay. Sorry, Axio. Another day. <laughs> Meanwhile, in so the caves. <laughs> in the caves. Or actually, let's before we jump back to the caves, let's cut to because at this point we've hit the twenty-minute mark by landslide here, so we're way past that. You guys are finishing closing up the probe that you just created. Oh. Yeah. And Chief Singh says we can beam this directly uh, to the weapons bay, and have the torpedo control team fire this. Uh, we can have this out uh, in into the planet's crust in a matter of minutes. Get it done. All right. Gets on. Uh, Petty Officer Re- Revas. Uh, <laughs> yes. Chief Singh, hi. Chief Singh looks at you. Mm. And it's like, is everything all right? Um... I, I mean, it's within parameters, I think. Chief Singh also gives you a look and says, can you maybe explain that? Well, oh, if, it, if it was in parameters, I'm sure it was fine. Oh, uh, yes, I'm sure it's, I think it's fine. You hear the uncertainty. <laughs> Well, great, that everything is fine. Okay. Uh, what can I do for you? Um, and Singh says, we need to beam uh, this, uh, we, we need to beam uh, this probe that we've just finished constructing in directly into the torpedo bay for the torpedo fire control teams so that we can launch this probe immediately. And you're saying, oh, that's, that's easy. Uh, you won't be... Uh, we're launching the probe near the captain's location, were you? And says, 
What? No. Uh, that's it. That's all that we need. Uh, please be very careful and focus on the site to site. Thank you. And I'll reach over and tap Sing's communicator. <laughs> you tap Sing's communicator, and Sing looks at you like, "We're just gonna have to trust the captain." And we didn't hear that. I don't understand. Great. <laughs> now get to work. Sing just looks away and goes back to work. <laughs> um, a few moments later, that probe beams directly out of main engineering. And you hear Vryn. Uh, Chief, this is Vryn. I've got the probe. It's loaded into the launch bay. I'll meet you up on the bridge. Uh, Sing, monitor transporters. Uh, we have these probes uh, loaded up. So if we need to do any emergency transporting, be ready. Anything to get the captain out of their bad mood. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Tech will head up to the bridge to the engineering station. Okay. A few moments later, doors to the bridge open as you step off the turbo lift. It is an eerily empty bridge filled with ox crew filling in, but Vryn is currently commanding officer. <laughs> and as you step onto the bridge, he gets up out of the center chair and goes, thank all of the divine creatures that ever existed in the cosmos. Are you taking center chair? No, you're chief. You can't. No, no, no. You sit he down. Back into the center chair and goes, "Okay, acting captain's friend, we've got we've got this loaded up in the weapons bay, and I'll Great. take my position." Do me a favor, would you? And looks back at the weapons control officer and just says, "Could you please fire that damn probe onto the planet so we can figure out what the captain wanted to know?" On my mark, and I'll set it up. Okay. <laughs> and All right. Fire. You see this red tracer as this this uh, probe just on the view screen. You see it ignite into a ball of flame as it enters the atmosphere and proceeds into the hole. Fire second probe now. Second probe launches. Um. Oh yeah, all of my players are no longer in that. Okay, so Olin has an interesting experience. <laughs> um. Huh? Readings start coming back on the probe immediately. Olin and Prawl are there. Olin and Prawl are there. Um, readings start coming back on the probe immediately. You see uh, currently sitting at the science station is uh, a young lieutenant, Zarin. Zarin Toriel, a Bajoran Trill, who is just serenely sitting there at the science station and, and says, data is coming in now. Thank you, Lieutenant Toriel putting it up on view screen. Taps the few of the con control consoles and you see coming up, you see scans coming back immediately, electromagnetic disturbances, but for the most part, you see all these waves of gravitational anomalies. Um, I'm gonna have you roll here because if there is one person on the entire ship that's not you, Goss, uh -huh. it would be you. Yes. So. I'm going to have you roll Insight Engineering. Insight Engineering, okay. Difficulty is going to be four. Okay, we the have Ross, one momentum, right? The Ross cannot assist here because okay. this is literally, this is literally Chief Tech pulling from Chief Tech's knowledge and seeing if you recognize the similarities of the readings that are coming back. Okay, I have focuses in subspace theory or warp field yes. dynamics. Oh, okay. Space theory applies. Great. Um, and also, since we're looking past 
the scan, I would like to burn a value. Don't hear, okay. listen. Okay. That's a good, okay. that's great. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'll, I'll use one that. momentum for cautious engineering. Uh, and we have two successes already from the determination spend. And you okay. said it was con uh, insight engineering? Uh, insight engineering, correct. Okay. Difficulty is four. You've got two successes already. Woo hoo hoo! Three more. Three and, more. Uh, the the focus counted, so that was, one of those was a crit. So four more, six total. Trying to impress us? Yeah. All right. Well, it worked. So go <laughs> ahead and mark down that momentum. That's two. What was it? The two extra momentum. Uh huh. Two. So data starts coming back. The first thing that is kind of alarming is that the probe vanishes once it gets about halfway into that hole. Oh. And there's a part of you that kind of expected that because you mm. knew that there was interference going on. But the beam that y'all were using, the tight beam communication, was intended to restore the ability to communicate with the away team. Mm -hmm. um, so the data that's fed back to the second probe compensates for that. Yes. What you didn't expect is for the second probe to also disappear. No! Um, that was kind of what you were hoping to avoid. Yeah. But the data that comes back is still clear on the second probe before it lose, you lose contact with it. Okay. So first of all, it's worth pointing out that you already were anticipating an anomaly because you've lost contact with the away team. Mm -hmm. But you do get life signs. Okay. The away team is alive. Great! Um, you see, you detect everyone's life signs, including the away team that has started making the trek down the corridors. You detect biological, you detect very briefly, like a blink, you detect that entire biological forest down there. You get a snapshot of that on the sensors. You detect the life, you detect a Cardassian life sign. You detect the telltale signature, energy signature reading of Commander Exio. You oh. detect, um... You detect pretty much everything you expect to. Even the pirates are alive. Olin is in good health. Um, everyone seems to be okay. And as that data is coming up on the main screen, uh, Lieutenant Zorin is uh, Zorin is reading off and kind of feeding back scientifically, translating all of this and kind of confirming what you've seen. But as you hear him say uh, one by one, going through the live signs and detect, there is an audible, quiet gasp of relief in the back of the bridge from uh, from the yeoman. Um, and uh, Vryn glances over at her and just gives her a nod and a smile, like a comforting, just like, she's okay. And, and <laughs> yeah, the yeoman looks back at Vryn and you just see Shanto just kind of, and goes back to her, her console and Vryn looks at you and smiles and says, all right, good news, good news. And the next bit of information that comes in before the second uh, probe is lost are subspace distortion waves Quick, that before, seem to be disrupting things. What's up? Before we get too far with that, as soon as that comes in, Tech is going to call on Singh and Ravas to uh, use the uh, signatures to try to get a lock for beaming out. We'll see what we can do. I know there's a lot of interference, but we got to work with what we got. Those successes that you just rolled, the impressive six successes, that was to see if you saw the similarities, and you do. Good. 
you haven't talked to anybody planet side, so you don't know that people are finding similarities between the plant life underneath the surface of this world and the similarities between that strange planet where you all took the baby crystalline entity into a nursery. Uh-huh. Um, you've got your own shocking mystery that you've just uncovered, Chief Tech. Because the energy wave patterns that you're seeing in the subspace distortion are exactly on the exact same frequency as the particle fountain that you all encountered in the Shackleton Expanse. All right, get Dr. Yugos on the bridge now. There's this like chill that races through you and you reach down and you can, Dr. Yugos, report to the bridge immediately. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a few minutes, but Yugos, the doors open and the Jashashian walks onto the bridge and just goes, Yes, yes, that sounded urgent. What is everything all right? Doctor, take a look at this. And moves over and looks at the data screen and looks at the distortion waves and goes, That's impossible. On the other side? That's imp that is scientifically impossible. This would be like discovering the twin to the needle in the haystack you found when you were searching the entire universe for a particle. Well, lucky the, us. What does that mean? What does this mean? There's a subway. There seems to be a disruption in subspace. That could be what's causing the communication interference. I think I can help with that. We could compensate for any gravitational anomaly. We have all this data from the Shackleton Expanse and the Eddies. We wouldn't be able to beam them out of that hole in particular. It looks like the detonation of the torpedo probably caused some kind of disruption and made it impossible to beam them back out from that location. At least for the time being, that might dissipate, but the subspace disturbances are exactly... Um, I don't mean to alarm you. Good. But... I need my equipment. Get the kit. It's possible that a particle fountain is going to form under the surface of this planet. Now? And that would be apocalyptic. As in now, it could happen now? Possibly. Cool, uh, great. This, this, is, this is similar to what we observe on our uh, observation stations when we're monitoring the incoming production of a particle fountain. However, this one's behaving a little differently, but it has the exact same energy signature. I just need my, uh, I'm going to go to the research lab. Uh, uh, do I need to ask permission to leave the bridge? Oh, you have it granted. And uh, take a look over at Vren and <laughs> just say granted. Vren is, just going, Vren is rubbing his head. You see him kind of run his hand up along his antenna and then he runs his hair back down, he ran back down his hair and he goes, this is why I'm a pilot. I don't have to worry about this. So I let you guys worry about the mystery crap. I'm just, I'm going to go sit in a chair I don't belong in. Let me know if you need my help with anything else. I'll be happy to shout orders. And he walks down the ramp and you hear him say under his breath, holy shit. And he slides into the chair, the center chair, and goes, keep monitoring, keep scans, keep doing everything. There's a chance... Ren, that we may have to evacuate somehow this entire planet. We need to really keep a monitor on this and make sure that nothing goes wrong. Bring up the stats in the colony. I need to know how many people are on, on the planet side. And you see immediately stats come up for the 2300 colonists on the science station. And he goes, oh, okay. I need 
every available member of Ox crew to start planning for a contingency if we have to start beaming people out of there. I want the shuttle bays cleared. I need shuttle bays on the standby for both physical and beam physical transportations and beam outs. I just want to be prepared. Uh, take us to yellow alert. And the ship goes to yellow alert. And Vren stands up and looks at you and says, Chief, do you have any idea where the captain is? The captain may be planet side. And I will try my best to communicate with them. But Computer, location of Captain Azari Sol. Captain Azari Sol is not aboard the USS Ross. Okay, that answers that question. All right. Vren, nope. you're doing a great job. I need you to continue doing this, okay? He raises his hand and says, I crash landed during a Dominion War. This is nothing. And he hits the he hits the communicator and goes, this is acting Captain Vren to Captain Saul. <laughs> Go for Saul? Yes, well, now that you've gotten a taste of the chaos that you left behind, Captain, I just wanted to let you know some of the findings we just found up here that I think you're going to find quite interesting. All and he, right. begins to, he begins to relay the information. He tells me my crew is all right. Tells you that the life supports are all coming through okay. He does tell you that the, the away team seems to be separated, that a team of three are moving through the caverns right now, and that everyone is in good health. Everyone appears to be in good health. There. It's not so hard to find my crew in a hole. A thousand foot hole, Captain. I don't know how they survived it, but it might have something to do with the next thing I'm about to tell you. And that's when he starts going into the subspace anomaly, the gravitational waves that are being detected down there, the whole bit. And when he's done, you hear him breathe out and say, we're ready to beam you out whenever you are ready, Captain. Or if you want, we can arrange a site to site. Friend, do you want out of that chair as soon as possible? Site to site it is. <laughs> All right. Aye, Captain. Um, he looks back at, at the ops officer and says, you heard him. Where are you headed, Captain? My chair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sight the bridge, okay. Um, as you beam onto the bridge, holding a Dominion warhead in your hands, <laughs> um, Transporter, of course, makes note of that, and the warhead is beamed not with you onto the bridge, but is instead beamed into a containment center, as protocol would demand, is beamed into a containment. <laughs> and you appear on the bridge with empty hands in front of you because you were cradling this thing in an enviro suit. And Vryn stands up and goes, yeah. And Vryn stands up and says, it's nice to see you taking some shore leave, Captain. You're relieved. Aye, sir. And goes, swivels the console out, slides down into the helm and goes, God, I love being a pilot. And pulls the helm back. This was... Endlessly useful tech. Thank you. Toss. You catch your your kit. <laughs> I'm glad um, it was useful. Did everything go smoothly? The torpedo warhead is in containment three. I'm not going to ask how you did that, but I'm glad it's there. And tech is going to leave. 
Vryn swivels in his chair and uh, he says, I took the ship to yellow alert, Captain. Uh, right now, I've ordered all decks to arrange a possible evacuation based on the information that we've got. Uh, currently, we have Ox crew clearing out shuttle bays and getting ready for shuttle teams to fly down and evacuate if need be, and all transporter be uh, transporter rooms are on standby. Well done. He nods. Says, Thank you, Captain. I... He turns around. Swivels back and goes, I prefer being a pilot. Yeah, it's going to be a bouncy ball to the back of the chair right now. <laughs> Bounces off the back of his head. <clears throat> Y'all have hit the 1.75 kilometer marker trekking through this cave. Um, and the entire time has been a feast for your eyes. You've come across new species of biological life. Um, just different variations of the fungi that you've encountered. But Lakat, your library of new life that has been scanned has gained a few pages today. And it's kind of like this has been a bit of a dream come true for any somebody anybody who's enjoyed any kind of uh, we'll say scientific endeavors when it comes to biology, particularly botany or anything along those natures. But as you continue to trek through this cave, um, Exio, your eyes are being able to detect a shift in the lighting of the cave itself, almost as if there is a secondary light source that is up ahead and approaching. Um, There's a secondary light source up ahead and approaching, Lieutenant. Oh, I shouldn't say approaching, that you are approaching, apparently. It seems to be stationary. But you are getting close to that. I meant we are approaching, Lieutenant, not that it is approaching us. Um... <clears throat> Because I would shoot into the darkness if it was approaching us. I cast magic missile. It's um, my favorite thing to do. Repeat what the GM says. Also, my name is Exio, and I am a froghead. Also, Lieutenant, I'm a froghead. You're pretty sure Exio. Maybe I'm infected with spores. I felt compelled. Exio, it must be the universal translator. Uh, you don't know what Exio just really said. It couldn't have been what you thought it was. So you just, the two of you continue moving on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is, Jane has not taken a therapy session with Exio yet. And <laughs> considering maybe, is, is this what it's like? Is, is, that, a, is that a God, no. Brothers and, reference? and for the record, if you ever inquired, I would not be yours. Um, I don't think, I, I do not think our therapy styles would be fit. I am far too non-confrontational. <laughs> I think you would respond well to it. I get that. Sorry. Don't <laughs> What's that? I was just saying, unless LeCat wanted to. No, no, LeCat respects that answer. Yeah. Let me just yeah. say this. Dari pipes up. I'm confrontational as fuck. Pardon the expression. That's why I like you. Hey, and I'm just going to say this. I will happily schedule a therapy session with you, Commander. Really? Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah. 100%. I must commend you, uh, commend you on this current mission, actually. You, your, your you was incredibly valuable. Oh, thank you, Commander. Not going to be an ensign forever. Of course not. <clears throat> um, Just and, you know, hey. I, or, I already have recommendation papers, sort of, <laughs> because no. um, um, 
I, I truly mean it, Ensign. Um, I, I needed you to be exactly you, and please never call out when a scene is not the way it should be. And don't be afraid to ever say that quite aggressively, as it aided in us getting to the truth. She nods and says, I, I appreciate that, Commander. I think sometimes I... <laughs> Uh, Chief Tech, he, he puts up a lot with me, and um, you know, you you know him, just like everybody else. Chief Tech doesn't suffer bullshit either, and it's kind of, works well. Uh, works well with me, so. Uh, yes. Uh, just, he's, god damn, he's passive-aggressive. It just drives me nuts. I just want to clock him with the side of a tricorder sometimes. <laughs> I think you take Not that, that I would ever attack a commanding officer. Of course not. I'll and that is why you are a good officer. That's, You're that's my standard too, Commander. You can think about that, and it's fine, as long as you don't, and you listen to your commanding officer. Right. How are you doing? And she just suddenly nudges you, Lacat. How are you, you doing good? You doing all right? Jane looked like she was about to ask Exio something and then Dory <laughs> nudged her and uh -huh. uh, kind of jumps. It's like, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, that can I, can I insight that really fast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and, and Rave, you have the option of trying to hide here. Otherwise, it's just a straight up. Oh, no. um, I think that. Uh, I mean, actually, pure insight that like you might not even get from looking at Jane. You could see she was gonna ask a follow-up question about therapy, and uh, um, splice into like Jane's mind here is she just wanted to see how Bren was doing in his therapy. Oh, worried about him. Um, so that's where she would have gone. I don't think you would get that from an insight check. Uh, but depending on how close we are to this gravity, I think that. After Dari pokes her, she is reset to so, like, oh right. You There's get this. Then there. I then I will ascertain that I that the 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 mood I get from you was uh uh an, an almost empathy crossed your like face. Like a concern, like a, a yeah. third party concern. I, I sensed like. an an empathy check. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so yeah. Um okay. and then it's like, oh right. Chime force ahead of us, <laughs> you know, us approaching a light. What does this light look like? Uh, so it's a good trek up ahead, but it, it, I would say it's another 600 feet of like walking over these sharp, jagged rocks that are growing out of the ground. You've come across a couple of mineral deposits, but nothing surprising. Um, some mm -hmm. rare minerals down here, but nothing, again, that's not out of the ordinary. Uh, as you move deeper and deeper into the cave, the one thing that has not changed is overhead. It just seems to be miles and miles of this jungle growing on the ceiling with this strange fluid on the surface. You begin to round the bend, and it starts to open up into a greater space, the area where some of the graphometric disturbances are happening. And as you are moving up over one of these rock faces, you see Dari slip a little bit on the rock surface as her boot catches one of those slippery sort of gel-covered uh, rocks. And instead of tumbling forward and falling, you see she starts to float like she's on the moon. And oh. she grabs herself for a second and pushes back and goes, whoa, okay. 
there's a science experiment for you. Yeah, and where's um, that moisture that was collecting in the air, that dew, um, has it, has, has it's like, has its, has its traits changed since? It has. As you yeah. move closer to the light, you begin to see that the rocks almost look like they are made of water. It's an effect being caused by the fact that this strange translucent goo that's odd, uh, that's like just this little bitty layer of this sort of like watery slime that's on everything is now starting to ripple. It's causing this strange, beautiful lighting effect all across the cave with the ambient glow of the bioluminescence and the light that's coming from up ahead. The ripple effect is almost disorienting to everyone else, except for Exio, you're able to get your bearings just looking around. Everybody else, though, it's making this look like you're in this strange cave that's made of liquid. Even though the solid states of the rock hasn't changed at all, the cave itself is now resembling this flowing prism of light that's catching all these different colors from off of the bioluminescence and this strange light source up ahead. And it's, it is in fact causing a little bit of a rainbow effect mm -hmm. in, across, uh, across your fields of vision. And as you move closer, you begin to see this ambient light up ahead seems to be coming from one single source located in the center of this room that's towards the back, maybe up against the wall where the cave comes to an end. Um, rounding the corner though, you see this expansive room that is probably it's it's somewhat dome shaped it's a little more rugged it doesn't look like it's a it looks like it's a natural formation probably about 600 feet to the ceiling the room itself is probably about maybe 3,000 feet wide um and uh, about the same manner of of length all the way to the back end and at the very back of the room this slime seems to have congealed and coalesced into what could only be described as a glowing pool in the center of the wall, about half a foot up off the ground. And it's large enough that you could pass a shuttlecraft. Everyone good? Everyone good? Everyone, oh, oh, wait, okay, we all went out, right? Yeah, we all went out. Some space disturbance, but we're okay. <sighs> We got too close to the gravity. We got yeah. too close. We good, Jake? Yeah, you're golden. All right. I, I have no idea what that was. <laughs> it was the gravity. That's what that was. All right. So, yeah. trying to say hi. So, from where you all look, it just looks, for, for out of character, to give you guys a better description of what it looks like you're seeing, mm -hmm. at the end of that wall, that glowing pool against the wall, if it had a frame around it, it would look like the Stargate. No matter how long I stare at this thing, Commander, please don't let me step through it. Because I just know I'm going to be tempted to. Dari immediately looks at you and she just goes, I would drop your ass before I, wa I will let you walk through that thing. Are you kidding me? That's why you're on this mission. But Jane is just fascinated by this thing. Yeah. Um, and she hates that her tricorder is on the fits right now. Um, Commander, can you discern anything? Dari um, pulled out her tricorder and says, look, these are standard issue. If you want to try, we can. Uh, considering the atmosphere, I, I would rather us have the Commander check first before 
before just letting the tricorder. Uh, yeah, off. we're a little. I would. I. I'm going to advise against using the tricorder. This is the low tech mission. Um, okay. Ensign, and the last time, we don't need it to blow up closer to the more oxygen. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'll get closer. What am I? What? What am I looking at? So, Exio, you move closer to this thing, and again, it is it is traversing this thousand foot gap as you're moving across this large dome. The ground evens out here a little bit, okay. and as you get closer and closer to this thing, you start getting the impression that the ground is not looking quite as natural as it used to anymore. Okay, manufactured. It looks like the rocks that y'all are that you are now walking on is starting to look like it's intentionally laid before you the way it was the way you're walking. And as you continue to advance forward, the other thing you notice too is your footprints in the this layer of slime that's kind of gathered around the bottom of the floor. Um, it, it could be just coincidence of a natural formation, but it almost looks like you're on a walkway right now as you approach the back part of this room. Wild. <clears throat> um you can see too that as you kick up some of the slime, it takes it a few moments to drift back down to the floor, indicating that once again, gravity is behaving oddly. It's not causing any of you to walk differently. And when you pick up your feet and move forward, it's not causing any kind of, it's not like walking on the moon. It's like walking on a normal 1G planet. However, if you were to leap or jump or stumble, it reacts like you are in low G. Very hmm. curious. Um, you make it all the way up to this thing, and it is indeed a glowing pool of some kind. It is amber colored, and it deep the, the depths in which it disappears down into is it's impossible to see beyond the surface. Either how that much? or it, how the the pool itself is probably it's it's about like I said it's wide enough to fit an entire shuttlecraft. Sure. So it, it's, I guess yeah. I mean, like, can you tell how deep or? From looking at it, you can't tell how deep, but what you do notice is the light source doesn't seem to be pinpoint. It seems to be the entire the entirety of the pool itself. Okay. That's not that's not particularly uncommon considering almost everything on this planet so far has a bioluminescent sort of core to it. It the the, the genetic makeup seems to have some sort of bioluminescence. Mm -hmm. Is it blue? No, you no. said it was amber. That's it's interesting. Amber colored. It's a different so when color. So it interacts with a host it illuminates blue hard to say different species this is just her like pontificating and 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 hypothesizing out loud for the fellow uh scientists and engineers in the room okay. since i'm a little bit closer i guess okay um all right is it how far down like can i i can't like access it you can i can, you access can walk it? you can walk right up to it's on the wall it is vertical it is literally it is literally it's on the gate it's Don't not it's, through it's it. like a gate it's it's literally like a pool of of this liquid that's on the wall wide enough for a shot can, can i see it like a loose rock throw a rock through it you can easily pull a rock up and throw it through i would like to sort of take a rock and 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 very slowly go through see how deep it ends up being before i kind of toss through so you, are you putting your hand inside of it, or are you? No, I want the rock to be first. I want sort okay. of. I want to try to find like a thing to just see what it does to a physical object. The rock just floats across 
the space that you just gently toss it to. Just it hits the surface and immediately just goes and disappears inside. The, the moment it goes past the surface of this liquid, it vanishes into the amber. Can I see it? Is it is is it so viscous that you nope. can't see through? Can't see anything through it. it. The moment this thing passes through the surface, it vanishes. Okay. Well, then secondary rock. Don't wait. let go and pull it back out. Wait, wait. Uh, Commander, or do do I have like rope on me? Just uh, just basic uh, way team. You could, if you want to spend some momentum, you can say you have an emergency line of some kind. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Xander is holding his momentum. Two momentum, we two have momentum two. makes it true. Good, good thing I brought this emergency line of, like, it's not rope, but it's like a, a, a cable that can attach. Sure. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's just a thing to hook on to me, because I'm not in an environment. Yeah, are y'all about to pull a Ghostbusters 2 and just, like, jump down? <laughs> well, no. We're not, we're not- <laughs> the commander and we're going to send a large rock in first and see if anything happens to it. Throw it so in and then pull it back out. So, commander, you stick your hand through. Mm-hmm. Um, the the moment hand without the ring. Uh, I, I figured. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> I figured you wouldn't want to literally take your beating heart and stick it through the portal. Um, so. Yeah. So, the moment your hand passes through the surface, um, you do not feel any particular sensations. Hmm. Um you don't feel, you do feel a temperature shift, a fluctuation in temperature. Hotter and, um, It varies and it's not stable and it's extreme. Some of it is like comfortable and some of it is negative 137 degrees Celsius. And then it leaps back up to like a typical standard temperature. And then, then you don't, What's wild is, is when you get your arm fully extended, you no longer detect any temperature. No data is coming back to you based off of what you're feeling. As soon as I take my hand out or? Uh, as you, your hand is all the way in. Oh, as it's all the way in. So uh, can I wiggle my fingers on the other side to see if I've like gone through the wall of goo? Am I like free on the other side? You start wiggling your fingers and you begin to realize this is a sensation you have when your photonic form has begun to disintegrate. Ah! As you pull your arm back out, your body starts to reconstruct your arm. It goes We are not going through. It's just a small note that we have been, uh, this is a door that we are having issues with, basically. So like tr- every tree game. Only a door if we try to go through it and we are not. This is a new door. I say, give me five more minutes here and I will be trying to go through that door. Um, I think that- I point again, are you sure, Lieutenant? Well, I mean, we're made of different substances. So I think that we should troubleshoot just a little bit more here. Um, you don't mind troubleshooting, just don't do it with your arms. Can I start with a rock? Yes. I'd like to throw a large rock with some of the cable tied around it into the way. Yeah, and then pull it back. Um, both the cable and the rock return to you. And they have that same small layer of goo upon it. It's so real thin. It's just me. 
it's it's real thin it's a real thin layer like it's almost like you pulled it out of the surface of the water and it still has water on it kind of thing I feel like I have to <laughs> you know what Sam DeLev would tell you in a situation like this I do I mean, it's 923. <laughs> Rave's like, I could be the one to deliver a cliffhanger for once. <laughs> well, look, once you put them at the bottom of a hole, they no longer have height to fall from. They're at the bottom of the hole. What else do you do? You run into a mystery portal. Um, Dari What says, else is left? Natural conclusion. We could try the tricorder. I'm just throwing that out there. No. Okay. I was already burned once. Good call. Um, can I, uh, I want to take some of the goo. Can I touch the goo again with my other hand while this one, I mean, it doesn't take very long. It's back. There it is. Yeah. yeah shape yeah. my light. Um, uh, can I touch the goo and does it have the same, once it's, the goo that's on the rock, does it have heat or cold? Is it, is it as temperatured? It doesn't seem to be. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to be as temperatured. Okay. Yeah. Well, but it does seem to be the same material that's on the cat right now. Sure. So there is clearly a different source that is heating it, or it has to have a certain amount. Something. It's definitely different. Something's <laughs> different about the about this thing, this pool. What if I just stuck my left hand through it? <sighs> I'm gonna start uh, hooking you in to the cable. All right. Full body? Are we just going in? Um, I'm going to be advising you that you, uh, um, not full body quite yet. I think Dr. McCrell might be mad. Um, if we lose more than just a part of you uh, right now. And um, I'll step Don't, don't tell the captain. Don't tell the captain. I had, I honestly, you being the highest commanding officer on this uh, away away mission, I was going to leave that to you, Commander. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do the science, Lieutenant. Doing the science. Um, okay. Yeah, Jane wants to go hand first, not head first. Okay. Um, go slow. I'm going to be walking you through when I started to feel the temperature changes and which order they were in, seeing if they're consistent with yours. And uh, I, I still want to pull like yeah. a Dr. Grant here when he grabs the electrical, like the, the fence and just goes, ah, to like scare the kids. Um, all right. So Jane Wood. Look, cat, you move up there and you extend your fingers and start pushing your hand through this pool. Um, and you don't feel any noticeable changes. It feels like you're pushing your way into something a little more, it, it, honestly, through the Enviro suit, it feels like air. Like it doesn't feel like you're actually pushing yourself through anything. It is a little resistant, but for the most part, when you extend your hand completely and you have what you think is all the way through the surface, uh, you don't really notice a change. Um, There's a bit of a tingling sensation up your arm, which is unusual because you're in your enviro suit. But beyond that, you don't notice anything different. She's constantly talking. 
through okay. the whole interaction, basically saying exactly what Eric is saying. It's like, I feel nothing, I feel nothing, I feel nothing, it feels like I'm pushing through air, no oh. temperature changes, like consistent like body, uh, like, like body, <laughs> my body feels fine, my body feels fine. Uh, Commander, if it's all right with you, I think I'm gonna try taking a step closer. Hear from you on the other side. Um, she's going to position herself so that her right arm is the last thing that goes through and she's holding on to the rope so she can tug on it in case she wants you to pull back. And she says, uh, two tugs is get me out of there. Three tugs is get me out of there fast. Um, and she's gonna walk forward. Okay, LaCat, you decide to step through the surface of this pool. You take a deep breath to boldly go, and you you step through immediately. All sound that you were hearing on the other side is completely just vanishes, and you hear like this silence, and then a low ambient roaring sound, like you're under a water, like a waterfall, like you're swimming underwater, and you can hear the water over your head crashing into the surface. Um, there's nothing to indicate around you in this amber glow that anything has changed, but the color palettes begin to shift dramatically as you reach to about hand length. And as you move to step down onto the other side, you in fact don't step on anything at all and find yourself free floating. Um, like you had just stepped into a pool or something. But what you see before you is a little different than uh, just a room filled with liquid. What you see is kind of difficult for your brain to really wrap around at first. It looks like you have entered into a space of some kind that has no noticeable beginning or end. It looks like it doesn't have any noticeable walls or features. Instead, you just see swirling colors of infant, like deep purples and greens and this rich amber color. and. It seems so incredibly vast. You can only imagine that this was, that the space that you're in right now is so incredibly vast that you are infinitesimal compared to it. It's like looking into an infinity as you step into this. You are certain that you are, that you are still inside this pool, but you also see things that are distant that uh, at first you think you're looking at a star, but then you realize it's a great green, globule of some kind that's just sort of shifting and floating in this free space and these arcs of energy that occasionally appear in this amberish green color that kind of reach out to other globules it starts to you're trying to like put your mind around what you're looking at and and try to comprehend what it is you're seeing but your mind look at as a scientist and somebody who studies biology immediately goes to this is probably what it feels like to be a microorganism inside a giant body of cells because that's what it looks like it looks like you're in this giant uh pool of this amber green color that doesn't seem to have a an ending everywhere and you look in every direction but you also realize that you're free floating further away. Look, glancing back, you can still see the glow of that pool that itself looks like the fluid around you has coalesced into that glowing pool that you've just come from. So you can see the door, as it were, that you just left. Um, yeah. And then you spot something uh, kind of, 
you begin to look down at your hand and you see that for the first time, uh, evidence that light can be blocked here or like that it, there is an ambient glow because you start becoming aware of a changing of shade over your body, looking at it for a sec. And it's difficult to tell if that's just a reaction of what you're in or not. And until you begin to realize that it might actually be something over your head or possibly nearby, maybe one of these globules. And instinctively, you glance up to see what it is that you are close to. Um, indeed, it is one of these globules that's casting this brilliant greenish, uh, yellowish, amber-like glow. Yeah, and she... it's being blocked by something. Uh, glow is being blocked, or there's something physically between me and this. It like if you were underneath a life source and something was oh, was flying underneath the light source, like when you're on the ground and a plane flies over and mm -hmm. a shadow passes over you, mm -hmm. the same effect happens. And what you see is what looks like this cylindrical-looking object that has a certain elegance to it, but clearly of intelligent design. It's Yes, Jody, massive. It's about the size of the lower half of the hull of the USS Ross. Oh, my God. Does it, it look has, What's that? Does it look organic? It does. It has an organic skin. The entire, the entire form itself looks like it is made out of some kind of chitin or like skin or mm -hmm. some kind of organic surface. You also notice the prongs coming out of the front of this thing, indicating that it has sort of like graspers, perhaps, or some kind of... Uh, like uh, almost forked like field, but this thing is immense. You can also see the clear greenish uh, yellowish glow of what looks like an active propulsion system. It starts to occur to you all at once, Rave, that you're looking at a ship. I need you to make an insight uh, science check right now. The difficulty is gonna be high, it's four. Okay. Um... science! Did we use both of those uh, momentums? Oh, jeez, oh, jeez. Can I use a xenobiology or astrophysics for this? Xenobiology. Okay, great. Um, we are gonna do this. Um, Is there a determination or a value that? Oh you shit! Have? Yes. Um, uh, exploration is the greatest path to scientific understanding. <laughs> that would count. <laughs> um, great. Thank God. So then, I would like to use that. Um, Okay. <gasps> yes, a six and a two, motherfuckers. But it's a science, so like that's technically only three. But then like the auto crit with the value, so we're good. We're doing good. So Lacat, it, it comes rushing onto you because in your study, your xenobiology is what you do. And one of the things you studied at the academy were all of the unique, incredible things that Starfleet has managed to discover in all of its times and try to compare it to the things like this that have never been discovered. Wait, no, this has been discovered. And it starts rushing back to you immediately. Lessons that you've learned, particularly lessons that you were intrigued by when you were growing up in the academy, learning about exploration. There is no vessel in Starfleet's history that's had a greater stretch of exploration across the swath of the galaxy than the USS Voyager. And it starts to occur to you in that fragile moment that you were floating in what is known as fluidic space and you were looking up at a vessel that belongs to a species that the Borg designated as one of the most dangerous species it ever encountered, species 8472. And you freeze as you're staring up at this thing, realizing you were no longer in your universe. 
and the ship begins to pivot towards you. And that, my friends, is where we have to pause. Pull the cable! Uh, I just Googled, uh, so I'm not a Star Trek person, I'm like new to the fandom, so I Googled uh, 8472, and I just want to say on Memory Alpha, the quote is, the weak will perish. So that's that's great. Can't wait till you're Paris fine. The first thing the Undine the Undine ever said to the Federation. There's more to that story though. There's a lot more to that story. So good thing I ain't weak, motherfucker. Let's go. <laughs> the cat's like, bring it on! All you motherfuckers down right now. <laughs> I couldn't possibly have two better people with me to do this. <laughs> Ensign Dunn and no weakness. Yeah. Um, before we call it quits tonight, I want to uh, immediately, and I'm sure you all agree, I think uh, McCrell deserves an arc milestone tonight. Absolutely. Because McCrell, your role and your what you pulled off tonight um, is going to save the lives of every colonist on that planet. Yeah, but am I killing the spores? I gotta figure, I gotta make sure. In fact, you will learn more about that the next time. Unfortunately, and okay. I'm so sorry to do this to you guys because of the schedule that we've come up with, it's gonna be a spell <laughs> before we jump back into the next episode of the main campaign, so. I'd like to roll for insight on that remorse. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll do it for us for tonight, y'all. Um, next week's gonna be a very exciting week as we jump into the fulfillment for the uh, the fundraiser that we had again next monday night uh is blood of the void so make sure to tune in for that uh because lisa pearl and the crew of the borku have got some stuff going on that i think y'all are going to enjoy and then on april 5th we have our mirror universe episode uh which is <laughs> going to be pretty messed up i'm sure i um, can't wait uh, april 12th is going to be rave's bachelorette game can we announce who's confirmed for that game yet um he, okay so we can announce the one person who was confirmed and the two people who are tentatively confirmed okay so, um so obviously sam deleb has uh, said they will be at the table which i'm very excited for your rose or die uh, i don't know how bachelorette works but that's i think <laughs> uh gina de vivo i believe will be at the table as well which i'm very excited about bonnie if she's in town um, ah, why the one Monday? Uh, Jackson Lansing, who I watch Bachelorette with occasionally, or at least we're on the same text thread. It's wonderful. But Jackson also, Lansing. Two of my best friends will be joining us as well, uh, tentatively. We got a little asterisk in the corner for them, but um, Anne Mortison Agnew, uh, if you are familiar with her, she wrote on Vast, if you're familiar with that show. Um, that little show. And then also Alexandra Klimovich, who is uh, Jackson's uh, wonderful wife, but also one of my best friends in the whole wide world, um, will be joining us. So I'm very excited. Uh, it's going to be a packed table. And um, it's going to be real weird, y'all. Um, but yeah, excited. We'll it all out very quickly. Don't worry. Yay. Yep. Uh, so that's April 12th. April 19th will be Gina's Crafting Corner. Uh, we'll we'll come up with a name for it. Uh, or we can use Gina's Crafting Corner. Um, it, it should just be called I Gina. I don't mind. It should just be called Gina. Like, like to sit it's Really, it's come watch us craft while you do something, something in else background. in the background yeah. with us. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, Bonnie just and... Just come hang out. Yeah, just come hang out. 
Um, Bunny in the Alice in Wonderlands on May 3rd, and then the Time Kids is May 10th. So lots of stuff coming up, y'all. Thank you, as always, for your continued support. I'm really excited about getting into uh, these fulfillments. We love you guys so much. Thank you, Ox Crew. Uh, thank you to our champions who were able to help out tonight and help our crew uh, unravel some of these mysteries. Uh, we will see you on the next time. Stay tuned this coming Monday for Blood of the Void. And until then, my good friends, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>